think about wine. I think about wine. I think about, I think about wine. I think about wine. I think about wine. I think about, I think about wine. Hey, what's thinking about? I don't know. I think about wine. I think about wine. I think about wine. I think about wine. I think about I think about wine. I think about wine and wine and I think about some wine and more wine. I think about I think about wine. Wine, 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 and wine, 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 and more wine, wine, and I think about wine. I think about wine. Oh, sorry, loud beep. Welcome to I Think About Wine. My guests today are Bent Washburn and Eric Cole, and we're going to drink a bottle of 2011 uh, Nido Negri's Forsat Valtellina. You're not really pouring wine now. That's just he pushed a button. Just, and it's a sound effect. <laughs> it's not actual wine. I, I, wish my, I wish my system were complex enough that I could actually enter sound effects while, uh, while I'm playing. I have to go back and add sound effects later. If I want there to be sound effects, <laughs> you, really? yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. No, I don't. I'm, yeah, I, I don't know how to how to use GarageBand well enough to actually like add sound effects live while recording. While yeah, so, a lot of GarageBands don't know how to use GarageBand. That's true. Well enough, <laughs> That's <but>. true. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. So, uh, give uh, each of you tell me um, what your kind of uh, history with wine, how much you know about wine, and. Whether you drink whether you drink wine on a regular basis, et cetera, et cetera. I never drink wine. Okay. I'm actually not even really a fan of wine. I'm going to drink it now because okay. this is the situation that peer we're pressure. In. Because I'm not letting you out before <laughs> until we finish this bottle of wine. That's why <laughs> this is a sit-in now. Oh man, I smell it. I'm just going to do what yeah. you do. Yeah, I yeah. Stick my nose. Smell in away. It. I'm smelling. Yeah. I saw a movie on sommeliers. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. The stuff they could rattle off. They rattle off a bunch of words. I mean, tennis shoes, uh, <laughs> moss. Uh, they'll just, they'll, it's a really weird random string. Rubber bands yep. getting ivory. <laughs> <laughs> they'll just like uh, under overtones of, yeah, and then they use all those words. But uh, this wine is made out of Nebbiolo, is the name of the grape. And There uh, are different names for grapes? I didn't even know that. <laughs> This yes, I didn't even know that there were multiple there are names. literally thousands. That's crazy. Thousands of different grape varieties. And what, is, what are these ones? Neb- Nebbiolo. There's red Nebbiolo. grapes. Yeah. There's green grapes. There's there's, there's like, like white pinkish grapes. grapes. There's like yeah, greener and yellower there's, grapes. There's well, I, know got, I know there's many colors. But of grape this Nebbiolo yeah. is actually not from where the name Nebbiolo comes from, and in fact, locally it has a different name. So it's it's actually called Kevinesca. Kevin Esca. I thought you were going to say something. It is called dog shit. <laughs> it's, it's actually called Steve. <laughs> Steve. In, in Piedmont, they refer to it as Nebbiolo, but in Lombardy, they refer to it as Steve. Steve. It's very Steve Steve it's an unusual, <laughs> kind of a different unusual Steve situation. Big grapes on him. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how they came up with that name. Steve had an abnormal number of testicles. And, uh, <laughs> well, you know. Have you tried it yet? I have, yeah. That's. Uh, I like that. This is good. Tastes like wine. Probably the most uncultured of the three of us on this show right now. One of the reasons that I am do, that I do this show is because I think it's really funny to like just to to sit and talk about wine with people who don't know anything about wine and have no vocabulary. Like I think that makes for a fun show. Um, 
how many listeners you get. Oh, it's eight, ten, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Right. So a I, few people agree. I with think you. I think two of them are my mom's phone and my mom's iPad. Oh, okay. <laughs> probably registering a separate oh. downloads. Hello. Hi, I like mom. this idea. <laughs> so Valtellina is the name of the region where this wine comes from. It's in northern Lombardy. Lombardy is in the center of northern Italy, uh, and it butts up against Switzerland. And um, the basically the passage to get into Switzerland uh, through the Alps uh, goes through northern Lombardy, pretty close to where I've, this wine comes from. I've been there, so that'd be a little like it's oh, not yeah. Tuscany. It's a little no, yeah, Tuscany. Yeah, Tuscany is like in the middle, like the shin of the yeah. of the boot, roughly. Um, yeah. This is just north of Milan. Um, north of there. Mm. So it is in a valley, a uh, river valley that uh, that goes east west, east west, um, and it, the vineyards are all planted along the uh, south facing uh, hillside slopes on the north side of the valley. So <clears throat> when you're growing in a relatively cool climate, you have to take advantage of, of uh, sun exposure as much as you can. So a lot of places, you know, like, um, I don't know if you notice this in Germany, but lo- most of the um, vineyard sites in Germany are planted on uh, riversides. Yeah. So the river uh, provides a moderating uh, influence to yeah. the, the temperature, and then they're generally all only the south-facing slopes will be uh, will be Covered. planted because yeah. because it's too cold to try and plant anything on the north-facing slope that doesn't get as That's much sunlight. That's what was going on. I took a Rhine River boat tour ride. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's one side was all grapes, yeah. and the other side was nothing castles or yeah, castles, castles or whatever. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's actually so it looks a lot like the the uh, Valtellina looks a lot like those um, terraced vineyards uh, that you've seen in Germany. Okay. But so a large part of um, the way that that wine grapes ended up planted where they are in a lot of the old world. Um, basically comes down to if they couldn't conveniently grow anything else there they would grow wine there because wine like once it's established you just like that's just where the grapes are you know you don't like replant them every year or anything like that whereas you know like vegetables and other agriculture you're you got to get a freaking plow in there and stuff so yeah they would use all the easily uh you know farmable land for stuff that they actually had to work year in year out and then they would just plant vines on on hillsides and shit hillsides by the river Mm -hmm. okay Oh, this is good. I like this. Uh, it tastes good. Yeah, it's not bad. I um. I mean, I have no frame of reference, but that's fine. I, I mean, the I the, the first and most important frame of frame of reference in wine appreciation is whether or not you like it. Yeah. That's because there's good. like, it doesn't. <clears throat> uh, you know, t- I, I think a lot of people are like skittish about getting into wine because it seems like it's such a complicated thing, and obviously there is a shitload of information. But the most important information that you can have is, you know, what do you like? And then know somebody who's in the industry, you know, who, who spends a lot more time on it, who you can ask questions. Isn't there also, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there also a certain level of pretension you have to have to... <laughs> No, that's what I'm trying to. to, to really that's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to. De- <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to knock that down a bit. I think. Uh, I think in, in my career and with this podcast, I think Eric is knocking it down pretty good right yeah. now. Well, he didn't, he didn't give me very much. And yeah. for those of you listening, there's no actual wine. This is, he's got Boone's Farm here. That's what this is. He's, oh, uh, Boone's Farm. He's opened up some Boone's Farm. It's hey, I got stuff. you the strawberry though. I know <laughs> you like the strawberries. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Bent, you are a uh, Reformed Mormon. So yeah. when was the first time you ever drank wine? Because do wine coolers count? I don't think those count. Uh, no, I mean, wh- whenever, like, well, so you initially kind of uh, 
uh, rebelled against your your yeah. upbringing in in your early twenties, right? In my mid twenties, probably yeah. late twenties, is when I stopped going to church, and uh, I really didn't drink much wine uh, until my wife and I we moved to Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say there's. Well, I mean, I heard that that's the thing in Germany is that when you get there, they give you a bottle of wine in hopes that you'll drink enough to forget some of their history. <laughs> <laughs> just, the bo- the board of tourism <laughs> is just just handing out alcohol just, at the just, border. Just, just, just <laughs> sorry, wine. sorry, don't ask us, don't ask us sorry. any questions. We prefer about not that. to talk about it. Please. We're not bring it up. The nice thing about Germany is that they, for their past, there's signs everywhere and there's monuments and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So they, it's like they put up the sign probably like if you go to Dachau. Mm-hmm. You'll see a sign saying Dachau. This may my kilometers on the way between Stuttgart and Munich, and I assume it was because and then lots of signs telling you how to get there. Because I assume they got tired of American tourists and other tourists pulling over and say, "Yeah, could you tell us how to get to?" D-? Like, oh, is this question again? Such a dark question they're asking always. Why are they wanting to see <laughs> this? You put up the signs. They're very curious. We have <laughs> pictures already. You can just get the pictures. You don't have to go all the way. It's a very, un- it's a very unsettling place. It's it very dark. Really it makes me feel very, very sad inside. It's ruined your li- day. I don't, I don't like to go to. <laughs> I don't like to go to Dachau. I don't like to think about what we have done. No, it's but it is not. They, what I'm saying is they really do uh, acknowledge it. Yeah. They actually think it happened, whereas. In America, yeah, a lot of Americans. I still get people with all the American Indians. That wasn't genocide. That was, you know, that's what you did. No, no, no. Those were genocides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those were absolutely a series of genocides. I mean, you can't have an eradication order. Is that what they called it? Or extermination order? Yeah, Yeah. that's a yeah. That's genocide. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this is what we talk (laughs) about with wine. Yeah. What about you? Wine pairs very nicely with genocide. Mm -hmm. No. Uh, my my first experience with wine, um, I was a child, mm-hmm. and my grandfather thought it would be funny to let me taste <laughs> the okay. wine that he was drinking, mm-hmm. and I didn't know any better, yeah. and so I took a sip, and I just remember feeling like, why have you betrayed me, grandfather? Right. Why did you why did you do this? And I think since, I since then I've never really been a huge fan of wine. I think I had a similar experience with uh, with spirits of some sort. Uh, like around the house when I was like a toddler yeah. so I remember like very strongly not like I uh, either smelled or tasted whiskey or something like that when yeah. I was you if, know, if under I'm 10 and just oh ha ha yeah. uh-uh. yeah. Yeah. and if, if I'm remembering correctly my mother was not happy with him for mm-hmm. letting me try why? why would you why would you give that to him dad come on and he's like what it's funny it's funny <laughs> alright <laughs> I think the first alcohol I had was uh, apparently the story was my mom and dad. They were devout Mormons, but he was a doctor, and they would have these luncheons and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was assigned assigned the beverages, so he had a bunch of beer mm-hmm. that he had bought to take. And I was maybe three or four, and I got into the beer, and I got a beer can, and I managed to open it. Mm-hmm. I managed to open it, and I w- was sipping that. It caught me. <laughs> when did you start liking wine? Uh, not until my mid twenties. Um, yeah. So I didn't drink much at all in high school or um, uh, junior high or anything like that. Um, so it really wasn't until I got to college. So I didn't start developing a taste for alcohol for a couple years after you know a couple years into college. Yeah. So um, I would always drink. Um, 
like if I had, you know, if money was no object, it would have been uh, those Jack Daniels Tennessee lemonade coolers or <laughs> Bartles and James wine coolers. But those are expensive because those are like nine bucks for a four pack. But they had this other stuff called St. Ide Special Brew, which was a flavored malt liquor that was $1.25 for a 22-ounce bottle. So you'd get me and everybody else who couldn't stand the taste of beer yet would get like two of those. Wait, you couldn't stand the taste of beer, so you drank that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm aware of the irony. I would have thought you would have had a high tolerance for crappy taste and stuff. (laughs) That's funny. but yeah, you'd get like two of those to get you buzzed enough that you could tolerate the taste of beer, and then we'd drink uh, <laughs> Olympia sense. Stubbies for the rest of the time because those <laughs> things were like seven bucks for a half rack when I was in college. That's good. This is a good wine. I yeah. I always uh, like a lot of work. Yeah. I think with yeah. with wine, um, I didn't have it till I was older. I don't think I would have liked it as a kid. I mean, yeah, and I, I don't think I would have liked it at all. Yeah, I mean, I had a couple of times like during the holidays when I was in college. Um, when my parents would give me a little bit of wine and, uh, but it was usually like, uh, that was probably something German, uh, like a, you know, yeah, a Riesling, a sweet, that's, yeah, Riesling, Riesling that's, sweet. yeah, that's, uh, a white, sweet, white yeah. wine, Riesling, um, which yeah. is not always sweet, but, um, a yeah. lot of German ones are, yeah. which is funny because, um, so, you know, Germany and, uh, you know, Alsace has a, has an equal amount of German and, and French cultural heritage. That's right. Yeah. And I was um, pouring a, a wine from Alsace yesterday. and um, But the Alsatian wines tend to be on the drier side. They do make um, some late harvest stuff, but most of it uh, tends to be a little bit drier. And my theory on that has always been the region, reason that the German wine styles became what they are today uh, has a lot to do with the necessities of winemaking prior to um, the availability of temperature control. Because they, you know, they harvest later on in the season. They bring the grapes in, starts fermentation, but yeast aren't, yeast won't function below a certain temperature. Hmm. And so, if your winery's, you know, if your winery gets cold, your yeast just quit and die, and then that's then your wine's done. Okay. Um, so you think it was just uh, temperature that? Yeah. So I think that's I, I think that's where that because the you know you've got the several different styles of German. Uh, uh, wines and so the the way that um, German wines are labeled is according to their sugar level at harvest. So mm-hmm. the first uh, harvest is Cabernet, and those are usually the driest wines, and nice. then um, and then it moves up from there. And and so same thing if a wine is harvested in you know late September when it's still got a decent amount of time to finish its initial fermentation, it's going to get Sweet. pretty much all the way dry. Oh, all the way dry. Yeah, but then if it's harvested later into you know October or whatever, and it's it starts its fermentation more slowly, and then the the fermentation eventually quits. Then it's just left with like a lot of residual sugar. Okay, but and then you see the Alsace sugar is slightly warmer. You see the sugar when you tilt it on the glass. Uh, that is part is that of that is part of the visibility. Yeah. So um, yeah, a lot of people talk about legs on a wine. Yeah, legs on a wine. Um, but then a lot of people who talk about legs don't actually know what <laughs> what they mean. They're just like, oh, it has legs. That's a thing, right? Um, I've seen yeah, it so, in wine that's sweet. You, you, it's almost like a syrup sense. It, yeah. like it coagulates. Right? Yeah, so it shows you um, viscosity, and you can also see uh, color extraction. So um, you can that that'll give you a hint to uh, what the grape varieties are. Uh, the grape different different grape varieties have different color, uh, have different pigment concentration in their skins. 
So some like Nebbiolo are super light in, in pigment concentration and others like Syrah and Petite Syrah and uh, Albec, Malbec's pretty, uh, pretty dark in color. Um, Mm-hmm. So those are, are kind of indicators, but it's also it also depends on climate and winemaking and a bunch of other factors. So this is right at the border from Italy, then going into Switzerland up yep. there. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I drove by there once. Drove by when we were living in Germany. We took a trip down to Italy. We drove down to Tuscany. We got lost in Switzerland. Yeah, you probably would have driven like right, right by where by. this comes yeah. from, actually. Because there's, yeah, there's not a lot of you know, passable areas. No, there's there just is a f- not. few main roads basically to get uh, yeah. to get up into the, the Alps there. You go to Switzerland ever if you're gonna drive through there from Germany, this is everything. Gonna make Definitely sure gonna. your navigator is not set to avoid toll roads. Oh. Because then it will direct you into the mountains. Yeah. To try to zigzag through everything. So we got we just kept following the navigator, going up all over the place. It's it's dark. Mm-hmm. It smells like just cow manure, mm-hmm. intense smell of cow manure up there. Is methane from the, all the cows hmm. and stunk. And then finally, we figured out what was going on. We got back down to the main highway and slept in a rest stop in Switzerland. Yeah, it was. It stunk, but it was beautiful. Beautiful. Switzerland's beautiful. Italy's amazingly gorgeous. I don't know about why I I do like wine, but I don't always drink it. I think I had I, I drank too much a few times in Germany and had uh-huh. some horatious yeah. hangovers from red wine. Yeah, that happened um, to me with just uh, Long whoa. Island iced teas. That mm. happened when I was yeah. younger. A buddy of mine after work, we decided we were going to go round for round with Long Island iced teas. Right. And since that night, I've never had another one. I don't think <laughs> I've ever had one actually. It, you're not missing much. I'll be yeah, honest. I've never done that either. No, no. I've never had one. I was yeah. young and stupid. The yeah. red wine is delicious. I we always drank a, a cabernet. Do you say cabernet or cabernet? Cabernet. Cabernet sauvignon. Mm-hmm. That's what my neighbor liked. He was German, but he loved French wine, and he was about. Um, I, I think he's probably about six four, two thirty or something. He's a really big guy, mm-hmm. so he could drink a lot, and I would just sit here and drink and drink, and then when I'd stand up, like, oh no. <laughs> oh no! And then I knew that it was just going to be a horrible yeah. Yeah. morning. Is red wine have? Does wine give you a specific? It, it seems like a heavy hangover. Like it hurts. It really, really depends on uh, the wine and the person and the preservatives in uh, the wine. Yeah, well, preservatives and uh, there are a lot of potential uh, allergens and histamines, especially in red wines. Uh, but there, they would of course be in different concentrations in different grape varieties. Um, so some people get really, really bad. And it. bottom line, if you're feeling it the next day, it's just a hangover. You know, it's your, you know, your body processing toxins in, in one way or another. Yeah. But so, the, but there's, uh, you know, red wine can, can, can give you like a stronger uh, effect than, you know, certain, uh, than certain other alcohols, you know, like uh, okay. triple distilled vodka te- typically won't give you much of any hangover. And, uh, but it also depends on the quality of the wine and sugar levels can, um, can, play a big factor in it because mm. you know it's the same thing as if you get super drunk on uh on any other kind of long island iced tea or some other sugary you know, sweet alcohol drink farm. It just ugh. yeah boone's I, farm uh, it all comes back it to all boone's comes all, all circles back to boone's farm and saying i had special brew it's a famous farm mm-hmm. the uh 
I some of the best wine I ever had was in Czech Republic. Have yeah. you had Czech wine? No, I haven't actually. Uh, Czech wine was delicious, and they uh, it was uh, the the people we're staying with. He says he thinks the reason Czech wine never took off is because when right after World War II, when the world opened up mm-hmm. and you started trade, they got stuck behind the Iron Curtain. Right. So they couldn't produce and push their wine anywhere they couldn't market it yeah and so all that market was captured by france and well i mean france had a very early i mean there's a reason that all of the great varieties that are grown in the united states are french varieties and it's because france was the first of all like when the united states was ready to start looking at wine um France was a unified country, basically, as we know it today, whereas Italy, you know, Italy's only been unified as we know it today for like 120 years or something like mm-hmm. that. It's like basically 19th century is when the Italy that so we they know had now, when that map was solidified. A country behind so the France had Yeah, so France had a whole country where they were unified and trading stuff back and forth with, and not to mention, I mean, you know, the early on, uh, French were more, the French government specifically were more present in the new world than the Italian yeah. armies or government or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so every, you know, Cabernet, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc. Um, it's all French. They're, huh? Yeah, all uh, all French varieties. Uh, Man, they, and those are the ones that are the most well most well known uh, in the United States. And, and interestingly, the same thing actually, well, similar thing actually happened in South America, although it was related to um, this, uh, this, um, plague vine plague that that broke out in uh, all of europe in the the late uh, 19th century when um wow all of these french winemakers yeah so there's this bug called phylloxera that's native to the united states and all grape varieties that are that are also native to the united states are immune to it but european grape varieties are not immune to it and so they're trading technology back and forth trading information and vine samples and all that stuff send phylloxera over there phylloxera goes nuts just devastates vineyards all over europe and um part of the result of that was a bunch of of, uh, french winemakers like leaving looking for work you know looking for something to do because they're you know vineyards were being to napa so they well some of them came to the united states some came to went to south america okay Um, so that's why you know like again like most of the great varieties that are that are established and you know most widely propagated in chile and argentina right now also french varieties varieties. cabernet franc malbec cabernet sauvignon carmenere pinot noir chardonnay sauvignon blanc malbec merlot i forgot the name of the red wine we loved in uh, the czech republic it was delicious yeah and i don't know there's there's one um I don't even know any like Czech variety names or anything like that. There's uh, there's one wine from Hungary that's like super famous that I'm that I'm familiar with. Um, What's it called? Uh, it's a dessert wine mm-hmm. um, called. Uh, why am I forgetting the name? Right now? Oh, Tokai, um, and it is a uh, uh, sweetened uh, dessert wine, and it's yeah. actually. Um, gross it's no no no, it's actually fantastic um but (laughs) it's uh so the way that wine is made um is uh is noble rot which is this um, beneficial mold that will grow on the grapes but the reason that it's um kind of special wines that are affected with noble rot are very expensive is because you can't really cultivate noble rot you can just like the you call it noble noble rot rot in german edelfalle 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 Edelfaller, noble rot. Ich habe eine kleine Edelfaller. I think I, ich habe eine große Edelfaller. I, you need to go to a doctor. Sehr groß. 
Gross und <lacht> so, gross. German wines that are affected with Edelfalle are called Trockenbärenauslese. Trockenbärenauslese? Uh, Trockenbärenauslese. Trockenbärenauslese. And they mm. are the, among the most expensive wines of Germany, basically. Um, so yeah, any wine, that, and every wine that is made this way with the um, with the noble it's rye. It's all moldy. It's uh, it, it. So what it does is it just dries the grapes out and concentrates the juice and the sugars. And then it, as some sort of cat-like animal eats them, <laughs> shits them out. That's a different. And then you, that's 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 called Luac. That's oh, that's coffee. That's Sorry. a different bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Noble rot. Anyway, there's a va- there cool. there's a fairly it's famous a good, uh, a good band name Hungarian wine. It is Noble, Noble rot. Noble rot. Yeah, it is a good name. It's like Prince Harry's grunge band or something <laughs> like that. Noble rot. <laughs> I like finally, it. Finally decides to rebel against his mom. You don't understand me. He can't rebel against his mom. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> his grandma. He could. He <laughs> could rebel against her. Yeah, but I mean, she, she by becoming a paparazzo or something from up above, she would be looking down. Maybe at least I was raised to believe that. I don't. But uh, <laughs> anyway, anyway, uh, the Czech one we had. I wish I could remember what it was, and I, I would be interested to have you try it one day and see what you thought. It, yeah, and I actually um, the similar situation with Croatia because um, Croatia between the, um, the yeah separation and their their civil war and everything yeah um they they just you know have have been insular and haven't ex- exported yeah. a whole lot was it good wine and that you had yeah Croatia? it was great man i've had some great wine over there i yeah. the wine i had uh there what we did is we went over to the czech republic and my brother-in-law's from there and we stayed above a little wine cellar mm-hmm. like people would do it almost for a hobby they'll have their vines and they harvest and they make just these batches of wine so the little town they lived in, you went down to this little street, and it was just all these wine wineries, basically, little tiny wineries. I forgot what it's called. Frankovka? Frankovka. Can't remember. How much does this cost? Because that's the big thing to me. How uh, much does it cost? Like 50 bucks. What? Yeah. Yikes. Oh, I feel like a dick. No, I'm not. <laughs> I didn't bring anything. <laughs> like I showed up empty handed. Delicious. No wonder it's so good. You could have at least brought cheese. No, you know, so I, we, we had cheese on the podcast one time and it didn't work out no. well. It was too much mouth noise. Yeah, that's, that's gross. Yeah, yeah. That's gross. Too much mouth noise. That's another good band name. Just a lot of that. Too much mouth noise. Too much mouth noise. I think good that band should name. be a lot of band names. God, you know, we keep... <laughs> You guys should stop. We singing. we end up coming up with a lot of a, a lot of band names on Am I Shouting too. I just it's just a lot of band names. Anybody out there listening? Band names and rap names. We get fifteen percent. What are some good? I want to know what are some good wines that aren't too expensive that you like. Um, I'm I'm a big uh, on European wines and especially when it come when I'm looking for inexpensive stuff. Uh, I usually find that European wines, particularly French and Italian, that's usually where oh, I where, where okay. I tend to go first. Um, and I, I look for, uh, oftentimes you'll find really great values in like lesser known appellations because the areas that are really well known, you know, they get a premium for, for their wine. So yeah. you can find something that's like off the beaten path. So there's like, you know, in France, there's the Cote de Rhone. The Cote de Rhone is fairly well known. There's the Cote de Ventoux, which is right next to the Cote de Rhone. And the wines are a little bit different, but they're usually like, t- you know, 20% cheaper or something. Which one is that? Cote, Cote de Ventoux. 
Cote de Ventoux because I know Cote de Rhone because yeah. we would drink that. Yeah, the Cote de Ventoux is just is like right next to the Cote de I'm going to remember the Cote de Ventoux. Um, but I mean, Cote de Rhone is, you know, like I, in if it, when, when I've been in France, usually like you can walk into any grocery store and you can find like uh, Cote yeah. de Rhone or Beaujolais yeah. for like $4 in a grocery yeah, store. Beaujolais and Cote de Rhone are over yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Beaujolais is a good band name as well, I think. <laughs> Beaujolais. Is a, I feel like that's a glam band, yeah. sort of. Beaujolais. Beaujolais. Yeah. Um, okay, so the, right. the other thing that I like to do is uh, called This Year in Your Life. So this wine is from 2011. So mm-hmm. uh, what, would, what, what stories would either of you like to tell from the year 2011 from your personal lives? Or prof- professional lives or whatever. Just what what happened in 2011. Is that six years ago? Mm-hmm. What was I doing six years ago? Six years ago. I can barely remember what I was doing six minutes ago. Mm. You were sitting on the couch. Right. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to help. Uh, 2011. Um, I had been in Idaho for three years. By 2011, I hadn't gotten into stand-up yet, but I was doing improv. And then towards the end of 2011, I started thinking, well, I could maybe get up on stage by myself and mm-hmm. tell jokes. So I, I suppose that was a, now that I'm actually thinking about it, that was like a turning point in my life. Sure. That's what was, your, uh, was your kid born yet? No, no. He didn't come around until uh, 2014. Ben, how about you? Yeah, was my second daughter was born in 2011 in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Böblingen, Germany. We were in sh- a little town called Dettenhausen, but she was born at the hospital there. So there was a, a German midwife in that room who made me cut the umbilical cord with these scissors. It's, you know, mm-hmm. nine. I just kind of pushed it in my hand. And then rattling off German, I assume she's right. saying, Du musst es. And I'm like, oh, okay. Because when they tell you to do something, you do it. I mean, and then I was stay at home dad that whole year, now with a toddler and a baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we did. That's the. I can't think of anything <laughs> else other than that. diapers. Diapers, just diapers. Yeah. That's it. That was that's very. Jeez. We talk about <laughs> people being born, it's just. <laughs> yeah, it kind of trumps it's everything. It's important thing. You know? it, well, it's important, but it doesn't because it happens so much. You're right. It's true. You know, it's like one of those things that ha- yeah, it happens a lot, and yet it's, well, it's very special. Yeah, but it's, it's, it happens a lot. Well, right. I mean, to it, me, it is. And it's all it's this. It's always this this argument between you know basically people who haven't had children and people who have, because the people who haven't had children, are like you people, are always talking about how it changes your life and blah 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 yeah, blah yeah, blah. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. And then the people who've had kids are like, yeah, but no, it does. It does, yeah. and like not, and they're not going to be able to. They're never going to. They're, they're never going to reach a conclusion. They're never, never going to reach a consensus. It's yeah, always no. just going to no, because be. they haven't had one yet, and they yeah. don't understand exactly. that it yeah. changes it all. It, yeah. it, it changes does. everything. But yeah, I mean, from a basic evolutionary perspective, it should change your life. Yeah. Better. Yeah. Some people it doesn't. That's a problem. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, now you have this little person that can't do anything for themselves. Yeah, and you're allowed to leave the hospital with that person. Yeah, they let you take that home. Like, I I had to take a test before I got a driver's license. Yeah. Nobody gave me any classes on how to be a father. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no, here you go, you'll be fine. You made him, so you're good. You'll be all right. Yeah, there is no, there's nothing you can. No. 
So 2011, that was it. But I was in Germany. I drank a lot of red wine there. A lot of French red wine. Mm-hmm. We would go over to the Alsace region. We would drive over to Strasbourg. And yeah, Als- Alsace is beautiful. And go to, what is it, Colmar? Colmar, Colmar. France. And there's a famous yeah. painting there called the Isenheim Altarpiece. I don't know which one that is. It's by a painter named Grunewald. And I, he's great. It's a great, it's a crazy great painting. I went to a museum in Colmar, but I cannot remember. Oh, you did? Yeah. That would have been the one with all these religious paintings. And the Probably. main piece in that museum, yeah, it's the only museum there. Yeah. And the main painting in there is the Isnheim altarpiece. Huh. It's a very famous, famous painting. I probably saw it and didn't know what I was looking it's at. It's like, what's this thing? Well, this is creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's got the very the very steep roofed buildings yeah. all throughout Alsace. And that's all the. It's because it still feels like the half timbers of Germany. Yeah. And it's uh, the steeper, you know, those wood things, which are called Fachwerkhäuser. <laughs> that is a German word, is Fachwerkhäuser, which sounds like fuckwork housing. <laughs> but it's Fachwerkhäuser. There's a, there's a series of, uh, of YouTube videos of uh, people, of people um, comparing uh, words in uh, English and Spanish it, and Italian yeah. and, <laughs> and French Germany. and German and butterfly for Germany is like butterfly <laughs> mariposa schmetterling <laughs> it's a schmetterling schmetterling uh, ambulance is basically ambulance in every language except <laughs> in German it's Krankenwagen <laughs> Krankenwagen yeah <laughs> and they have someone saying it really rough and <laughs> I really enjoyed learning German and I think it's a cool language yeah it's I actually so really cool. I, I really like it it's it's really interesting because the, the um, it's the, fun I'm yeah. I'm only I'm like reasonably fluent in French and Spanish, uh, but those two are really really similar in their conjugation and you know how the yeah, you know, where the, yeah. the word der- derivation like half the you know more than half the time if you know the word in French and you, you don't know, know it in Spanish, Spanish like yeah. you can try it just try the French word with a Spanish pronunciation and you're and probably going to get yeah. there. That's the same with Italian. Yeah, yeah, and they're Spanish all, and Italian are even closer. Very close. Spanish, Italian, very, but German's a bit. Yeah, German is, yeah. and well, and it's, and uh, the you know English Grammar. is an, is a is a bizarre combination of, of French and German. Yeah. Um, and somebody pointed this out to me I, uh, that uh, basically that you know the time when English was being formed, the uh, French were the the aristocracy and the Germans were the peasants yeah. and that is uh, reflected in our language because a lot of our fancy words for things are the French derived word but then the you know the common word for the same thing is the the German based word like house and mansion are from you know German uh, okay, and house. German and house French is the lower and yeah. mansion is the nicer yeah and I uh, just recently oh. learned that kindergarten was a it's German. German word. Yeah. And I Jeez, feel like I felt so stupid. And it's I was like, yeah, oh, it's of course it's a German word. Yeah. And it like I think it translates to child garden. It, like literally, yeah. Basically what it like just yeah. a place to hold your kids. Yeah. And, and well yeah, garden yeah. general like it's generalized yeah, like an area for something, basically. Yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, so kindergarten is like just where the kids go. Yeah, yeah. Pusa means a kindergarten. Yeah. This is fancy cool. Sell the out there, it's a kindergarten. I, I really loved it over there. Der Kinders and in loved der Kinders and in der Kindergarten. Die Kinder sind, sind die Kinder sind in der Kindergarten. I think it's der. It might be die. D- die Kindergarten. I think it's feminine. It's but when you say in der, in der, isn't it der plural? Yeah, der, no der. If it's in der, it's, then it would be d would turn to der. The Kindergarten 
if it's anyway. There's grammar. Yeah, the yeah. articles. There's a <laughs> yeah. It's feminine. It's 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 different. But yeah, the rules of 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 grammar articles are they're tricky. It's yeah, tricky. That's the tricky I've been, part. I've of been German like half acidly working on German for a while now. So yeah, I uh, never half ass something. Whole ass. Use your whole ass. Use your whole ass. I have Ron Swanson. <laughs> Never has a half-ass two things. Whole yeah, ass one thing. I get ambitious. I'll half-ass three is. things at a time. Oh man, that's, uh, you're that's giving 150 percent of your ass right there. <laughs> Holy shit, that you're actually like, that, that actually might be a viable joke. <laughs> you're like every athlete ever. <laughs> you do 110 percent. Every one of them. Every do you give 110? You're not gonna give. No one gives 110 percent. You gotta go out no there, one. give it one hundred ten percent every night. I mean, you can if you have like a you know a relative metric of something else that you're, you know, if you scored fifty points and you go out and score fifty five points, you did give one hundred and ten percent points wise. Or or <laughs> the day before you were just given ninety five percent and finally you gave one hundred percent. Boom. You know what I mean? They yeah. say oh, that's my. They say yeah. oh, that's. A, this is good wine, mm-hmm. man. I'm gonna have to remember what is that called. No, like, this is Valtellina. This is Valtellina, but the other one that, that Co- isn't Cote de Rhone. It's Cote, oh, Cote de Ventoux. Cote de Ventoux. Yeah, there's a bunch of good, like, inexpensive appellations around southern France, too. Um, there's um, the Costier de Nîmes, which is further south. Um, like, N- the town of Nîmes is southwest of I've Avignon. Been to Nîmes. Yeah. Super cool place. It is. Home of French alligators and palm trees. Oh. Um, I didn't see the alligators. Oh yeah, there's. Um, it's like the city's symbol is an alligator and a palm tree, hmm. and I didn't see any actual alligators, and I've never actually heard the story of where that part of the where where that part of the symbol comes from. But the palm trees, just, there's there's palm trees. Isn't there. it cool? Yeah, I love that. When did you go over there? Um, I've been there a few times. I spent six weeks there in 2009 doing a harvest internship at a couple of wineries. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So that was the that that's hands down one of the best things I've ever done. Cool, yeah. Because I it was I, southern France. first time I've ever been like fully immersed um, language wise and really and and had to and a different you know, culture really practice and you know uh, yeah practice my my languages um, and I hadn't studied I hadn't practiced French since high school and so I was like nervous was going over in. there because the, um, I stayed with I worked with two different families in the first family. The daughter of the family spoke English, but um, she wasn't. She didn't live at the winery, and I was staying at the winery with her parents. Um, and uh, so I was like, I, if, I can't, if I can't communicate, I'm going to be in trouble. The first time I went to France, my wife was, again, she's Air Force, and uh, what, what happened was she got stationed over there in Marseille. She speaks fluent French. My mm-hmm. wife does completely fluent. And it was outside of Marseille. Marseille's not that pretty, but... Uh, yeah, so it's I kind of a... It's a college town yeah and it's a port city yeah it's kind of just but what we did was uh it's also actually where um grapevines were introduced into france from from marseille from the roman empire yeah that was the port came into marseille but uh they came over from rome and that was the first area that grapevines were established like two thousand years ago in france through marseille Mm -hmm. well it was it was life-changing when i went there yeah and i had been uh i was just met my wife, so it'd be 1999. We weren't married yet, and we should have got married there. We should have just got married, but I flew over there and stayed for, I think, six weeks and just huh. lived with her. No, I was there three weeks, just driving around. Mm-hmm. 
uh, going to famous art places. I wanted to see about the art store. There's a the one of the coolest uh, uh, art uh, showrooms that uh, that I've ever seen is in uh, Boda Provence, and it is a uh, big lime. These these um, mounds are like small mountains or foothills kind of but they're all uh limestone and um so they're they've quarried all this limestone out and in this one spot in um in Boda Provence they have this um place that used to be a limestone quarry that is now an art museum oh cool so they have all of these um video projectors so they just will show and it's just one show a year so they put it all together and the one that I went the um the show was uh, uh Picasso so they had a bunch of Picasso artwork um, and, you know, some moving images and just they would have, uh, you know, they would, so they would project different artwork throughout the course of his career on all these different walls and then be playing music to go along with it. And it was just, it was super duper cool. Yeah, that's a fun place. It was, it was giant. For me, like, it was to see the history was crazy. Yeah. It makes you understand. Mm-hmm. So when did you... Did you always like wine, or did you? No. You said your dad. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my dad's in the wine industry. I. Um, what does he do in the wine industry? He's been in retail. Uh, okay. He's an artist uh, by trade, and he. That's uh, right. But he used to be a chef when I was a kid, and um, so he had started to learn about wine from uh, working in restaurants, and he was looking for you know something that would be a little bit more consistent. Um, you know, for I think he was trying to work out, you know, scheduling and stuff with my mom, you know, for them taking care of us and um, blah, blah, blah. But uh, one thing leads to another and he ends up uh, working at the co-op here in town um, because they were still relatively new. This is in the early 80s and um, nobody was really doing anything with the wine like they had some wine in the store. But got it. And this is they had uh, at the time it was a volunteer thing like they um you know, members of the co-op would volunteer uh, their time and work at the store. And now it's not, they, they don't have that structure anymore. But yeah, he was basically like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll do I'll this. Wine. Like I'll, you know, I know some things about wine, so I'll try, try doing this. And that was kind of the start of it. Now it's the biggest wine store in the state of Idaho. Oh, wow. Um, the co-op? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the co-op wine shop's the biggest, Wait, biggest wine shop in the state of Idaho, and I mean, one of the biggest ones in the Northwest. There's yeah. so much, I've been here almost 10 years, there's so much about Idaho that I just haven't bothered to try and learn. And yeah, if there's you any, you if did there's 10 years, you didn't know where the biggest wine store was. I know, well, because I don't drink wine, and if there's, yeah. any, if there's any testament to how unqualified I am to be on this podcast, <laughs> it's that every time either one of you says, uh, what is it, Cote Von 2? Cote Von 2. Cote Von 2, I want to say... Electric Boogaloo. Like, that's how. <laughs> Electric. Well, you could say <laughs> that. No, that's how you can say that. That's how unqualified I am. <laughs> to be Holy shit. This. I really want to make, I, I need to I need to contact a winemaker in the Cote d'Antoine. Maybe three and minutes. And just Electric make it, just like make, I mean, it can be an existing producer. You can, like, there's enough producers in, in the Cote d'Antoine that are, like, fairly large. You just get a private label going. You need to do the Cote d'Antoine Electric, Electric, Electric Boogaloo. Electric oh, that's memorable. Yeah. That's a big deal for selling a wine, uh, for marketing. I learned that from a marketing a guy who, friend of mine, mm-hmm. books these shows in Canada. He works for Investors Group. Anyways, one of the examples of marketing they talked about was Yellowtail Wine, mm-hmm. because for so long people would have these names where Cote de Rhone, the blah blah blah, the, the you know, and so they're these names. They're not. They don't stick in your head. Right. And Yellowtail thought we're going to do this with that, and that'll be memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
because once a market, there's yeah, so and they, many different things. It's that winery went from like a couple hundred thousand case production to into the millions of cases yeah. wow. in a matter of a few years. Because like it was insane. It's such of an unidentifiable mass of indifferentiated named wine mm-hmm. that the label's not differentiated, even if there's different tastes. Yeah. And so no, I mean, there's when the consumers go to that, a typical consumer. Oh, this is easy to say. I remember this. Yeah. yeah. No, that that's uh, very. I mean, that's that's a so really perfect Bookaloo description. So good idea. Uh, but the the problem is the backlash from that because the combination of uh, the you know the the Australian wine market really fell apart in the like the first ten years of the two thousands. Um, oh, did it? And it was because of the combination of people getting sick of uh, critter wines, which is kind of the general category of wines that came in the wake of Yellowtail. Like Yellowtail was the first one. It was massive, massively successful. And then and then like two blind moose or whatever, yeah, you know, all these, all, these all these uh, cute yeah, names, all these wines with, with animals on them and consumers were just like, Oh, this is stupid. Um, and then at the same time, and that kind of like destroyed the low end of the Australian wine market. And the same time, certain wine writers had been um, writing what were, as it turns out, completely overblown um, reviews of a bunch of high-end Australian wines and giving them like 95 to 100 points and being like, you should buy a million of these and sell your children. And, um, and you <laughs> yeah. know, so people start buying those in like the mid to, you know, mid-90s through the early 2000s, but by the early to mid-2000s, they're starting to open them. Uh, and you know, try them and, and like know, this is horrible. Get a yeah, get a sense of, of whether or not Robert Parker was correct, and he was not. And the wines had you know they were lacking in acidity and um, his and name's Bob Parker, Robert Parker, yeah, Bob Parker. Is he yeah. a colonel? No, he's <laughs> a game show host. Um, Where have you been, Bob Parker? <laughs> <laughs> Come on down. When the Price is Right. You're the next contestant. Uh, no, Parker, Parker, not and Parker. I know. Yeah. And I was just. Robert Parker. Way to kill the joke. Sorry. No, I wasn't it sure wasn't was. a good joke. It was very bad. <laughs> it was just not I made up a, I made up a fake wine. Um, what was uh, oh I was making a I was making a wine joke uh, based on the Stefan character from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and I made up this fake wine. If you're looking for the hottest wine this summer, this summer's hottest the- wine is called Bulge. If you're looking for great value in Spanish wine, look no further. This summer's hottest Spanish wine is called Bulge. This blend of Garnacha, Tabasco, and methamphetamine is the mind child of a renowned wine hound and AKC certified English sheepdog, Robert Barker. This wine goes with everything. Pancakes, cigarettes, that itch I can't get rid of. So if you're looking for something new this summer, don't miss it. The label is made out of old Dunkin' Donuts receipts, and the password is Caliente. (laughs) <laughs> bulge, bulge wine. That's funny. Bulge is a good. Yeah, there was bulge. something. There was there was something about it, it was made of temper. It was like t- tempranillo and hot sauce or something like that. And it was. <laughs> it's a. I gotta find it somewhere on my Facebook. I gotta sriracha. Gotta dig that one up. So sriracha, hints of sriracha is. wine and wine, fl- a little bit of sriracha. Oh, they're and that's fucking. They'll do that shit with beer. They're There's, putting everything in beer. Oh yeah, yeah. It's dry, it, it. You know. Sometimes every once in a while I've had a good one, but yeah, the t- I feel like flavored beers gross. Yeah, I don't yeah. there. I mean, there are some that that I've really liked. I like the, a lot of the um, the citrus flavored. Uh, oh, okay. IPAs and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and pale ales. Yeah. Uh, you know, stuff Great like that I've liked. But yeah. like uh, you know, Rogue did their whole fucking uh, voodoo donut series. 
Oh. I have not liked a single one. I've only, I mean, I only had two. I tried the first one, and I was like, this is bullshit. And I tried another one, and I was like, okay, I'm never testing, touching these beers again. They make a lot of money off Homer Simpson, though. Donut-flavored beer. Donut beer. I mean, they've, beer. you've seen those, the, like the pink Rogue bottles, right? I've seen them. Yeah. I've never yes, seen. I haven't. I'm, uh, I'm out of the loop on I all this. I haven't tried any. I'm not a, I'm not a big beer drinker. Mm. I'm not like a... I'm not a real big drinker in general. I mean, mm. I'll drink. What's that like? It's all right. <laughs> you know, I spend a lot of time going, no, no, you're fine. You're really, you're not being that bad. It's okay. Like, that's no. what right. a lot right. of my time is spent. You heard gotcha. Ryan Hamilton's bit he does about not drinking? Mm-mm. Now, people, they don't want you there. In the beginning of the evening, they're fine. But then there's a point where they look at you and go, okay, you're the only one here that's going to remember any of this. Yeah. Y- yeah. You need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and he talks about how you make these arrangements with drunk people, and the next day you're in a park alone. <laughs> <laughs> Where are they? You know, <laughs> what happened? Did, that was his first Conan bit that was on there. It was oh, great. Okay. Yeah, no, I haven't seen that one. Well, you know, I mean, I do a lot of I I drive everywhere, so mm. I try not to drink too heavily, just because I always oh, absolutely yeah. want to make sure I'm getting home. Yeah, right. and I've never had a I. The, the worst, like, you know, m- morning after regret I ever have is, like, uh, just I feel bad. Never robbed a bank or... Nope. I don't get into fights. I've, I've robbed a bank, or f- a bank or two, but yeah. never drunk. Never oh, okay. drunk. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. That's what I'm saying. I never do that when I'm drunk. I take my bank robbery very seriously. It's, it's a very serious operation. You yeah. got to make sure all the pieces are in place. Yeah. You, know, you got to crash a bus through the thing. Drunk asshole. Yeah, alcohol is uh, stumbling into a bank all drunk. <laughs> Give me yeah, your money. This is a stick up. This is a money. money. Wait, wait, hold on. What am <laughs> I doing? What's going on? Oh, wait, do you need some money? You know, Andy, uh, this has nothing to do with anything, but uh, Andy Kaufman, I was watching him on uh, Letterman or something years and years ago, yeah. obviously. He said that he came up with the uh, foreign guy character, like Latka, uh-huh. whatever, from Latka. Taxi, uh, because he was in New York. And two people tried to mug him, and they were like, "Yeah, give me all your money." And he went, "I'm sorry, I don't know. I don't have anything. I don't have any money. I don't know what to do." And he started crying, and they were like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Do, do you need? Do you need a couple bucks? Like, it's okay. Like, you'll we'll leave you alone. It'll be fine." <laughs> I don't know if it's true because it's Andy Kaufman, right? Yeah, yeah totally. who knows? But that's the story he told about. I mean, Andy I Kaufman. could see Andy Kaufman doing that. Like in real <laughs> life, and I can also pay. see you him completely he lying about it. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> This is weird. Great beer. Mm-hmm. That's better than the. What was it? Oh, uh, oh, Steve Martin's got a bit on Let's Get Small about how to avoid muggers. And it's just when you like, if you got some money and you want to walk down the street, make sure you're safe. You get first, you get a shopping cart, and you just oh, yeah. push that down the street and just throw trash in there. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then you start having a real loud conversation with yourself, <laughs> and then uh, and then you yeah. pee immediately. You just, just pee. Get a good. Real good nice, wet large wet area of urine. On no the front. one's gonna definitely a way to uh, avoid being mugged. Yeah, people will leave you alone. <laughs> Let's get small. Mm-hmm. That was uh, I, we had those out. We had wild and crazy guy and Let's Get Small. Yeah. When I was growing up, my parents thought he was a clean comic because they saw him on TV. Mm. We got those for Christmas, and I was listening to him when I was a kid. I didn't know what anything meant. Yeah, and yeah, you would miss a lot I of Let's Get Small. Rub my dad in. He says, "You gotta hear this, Dad. This is great," because <laughs> yeah. my parents hadn't heard him yet. So a uh-huh. few days after Christmas, 
And all of a sudden, Steve Martin comes on. Grandpa bought a rubber. My dad said, what was Dick? What? Lori, these aren't clean. These aren't clean comedy albums. And then it started wandering into something else. I don't think it was the famous cat joke or whatever. But he took both the records away. We never saw him again. Oh. Yeah, that's too bad. And that was it. Okay, that has nothing Shame. to do with wine. Neither did my Andy Kaufman story. No, I mean if it's, I mean if it's about co- at this point in the show, it has usually default devolved into political commentary. So it's, <laughs> oh, thank goodness it's we avoid fine. that garbage. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a toxic place right now. Yeah, I know, and I can't stop. I can't stay off of Twitter just and Trump, Facebook. I'm look, just, it looks like he, he's. I think of all of our presidents. His is the most wino-looking face since Clinton. <laughs> yeah, which is ironic because he doesn't drink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if he, he did, it'd be a at nightmare. Least, at least but I mean, Clinton. he does eat like a in, an insane amount of sugar. I, I suspect, like his diet has got to be garbage. I mean, he looks I like a, he just lo- looks yeah, like a looks sack like of old mayonnaise. Yeah. Yeah, the difference, though, though, is Trump has like an angry wino face, whereas Bill Clinton had like a. Hey everybody, let's hey have man. fun. Type of like my face. That's like it's it's, it's, it's my face. Hey man, I'm not touching. Hey, you guys, you, you guys want to get? You guys want to hang out? We having a good time here. Let's hey, let's have hey. another drink. Everything. Let's get high. let's get Jaeger. <laughs> Who wants a Jaeger? You want a Jaeger? <laughs> you want a Jaeger? Let's get three Jaegers. Get three Jaeger. Yeah, All right. He is. Like Thank you, sweetheart. Up. Get kiss at your on the phone. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, but no also politics. like Clinton started. Uh, well, no, I guess he didn't. Uh, he didn't change his diet and really get in better better health until he after tried. he was out of he office. Was in but I mean, that was after a, office. Well, and when yeah, he that, did, yeah, what's funny about like my memory of uh, the Clinton administration is is entirely like um, satire, Saturday Night Live, and stuff like that because I wasn't old enough to be really paying attention to politics and really know yeah, what was going yeah. on. Like, I remember because uh, it was my freshman year of college when the um, when they did the impeachment proceedings, and I remember listening to that on the radio and just being so fucking annoyed because that like yeah. our our politics had become excessively and burdensomely uh, par- partisan even by that point. I mean, it's worse it's now. Bad. Oh, it's insane. Um, but the people uh, are bad now. But yeah, I mean, if you listen to the like the the. Uh, the what they aired on on uh, NPR or whatever during the the impeachment proceedings, every single Democrat that stood up was like, "This does not rise to the level of an impeachable offense." And every single Republican who stood up, it's not about sex; it's about lying. This does not rise to the level of it's not about sex; it's about lying. Just back over and forth, and over. over and over and oh, over no. and over yeah. again. That was just they just oh yeah, yeah just I all of them parroting the fucking the fucking party line. It was obnoxious. Getting yeah. back to what you said about uh, yeah. Clinton not getting into better shape until he was out of office, is understandable because I stress eat when somebody doesn't text me back quick enough. I can only imagine being president of the United States. I'd gain eight hundred pounds in the yeah. first hundred days. Yeah, I'd be like I can't handle this. Somebody bring me a cookie. Yeah. <laughs> just well, I mean, I think the reason that Clinton got made yeah. fun of it for, or what the the angle that that SNL kept taking was like he was out, outwardly trying to like he kept, had kept there kept being like these photo ops of him He'd like going like jogging, jogging and like you know trying jogging. to get in better shape, and then there would be like other one and or well, and I don't know if this was from reality or if this is just the way that. Uh, um, that Saturday Night Live was making fun of him because Daryl Hammond was what played uh, played Bill Clinton, yeah. and, um, but he would like go out, you know, be supposedly jogging and then go out to like shake hands with people and oh, we're at a McDonald's, man. I guess I oh, better that was, get to that him. was a Phil Hartman sketch actually. Was that Hartman? Yeah, Phil Hartman did Clinton 
before Daryl Hammond and oh, uh, Phil shit. Hartman. Actually, uh, I just finished reading um, a biography of his. Uh, you might remember me, the, yeah. the Life and Times of Phil Hartman, which is a really good book if anybody's interested. I, go, yeah, go I, I will read it. Check that out. Um, um, he said that at first he thought that Clinton enjoyed his uh, portrayal of him because he got invited to something the correspondence dinner or right. something at the White House. And then there was the, I think the McDonald's sketch is when the the Clinton character on Saturday Night Live really started to take off. Right. And then it seemed like Bill Clinton was not approving was of... Was, was, less amused, the, was less excited. Less amused by it. The caricature of, um, of <laughs> that Phil Hartman portrayed him as. And Daryl Hammond said in his book, in his autobiography, that... Uh, initially, it was um, an impersonation of Clinton, but then over time, he tried to really, like, he studied the way he moved and the way he spoke and things that he did so that it was more than an impersonation. It was like he was trying to really do justice to the character, like, embody the the thing about Bill Clinton that made him Bill Clinton. And he mm-hmm. had a great relationship with the Clinton family. Oh, he did? Yeah, mm-hmm. so it was, you know... It, yeah, it was Phil Hartman did the McDonald's one because he's like, oh, was that a filet of fish? And yeah. I'm just going to have a bite. He'll sip of that Coke. And he legitimately started choking because he ate, <laughs> oh, he ate he? something. And he had a, that's why he took a sip of the soda because he had too much food in his mouth. <laughs> and he, he legitimately started choking. He had to wash it down. Okay. What do you guys both think about uh, Alec Baldwin's Donald Trump? I think it's great. It's it's okay. It's not it, the other. What's his name that does the. Oh, what is his name? The comic who does the Trump. Oh, oh, uh, um, it's called. Uh, uh, it's name? called the President Show. Is that the yeah, one you're talking he's about? Spectacular. What yeah. is his name? Um, I cannot remember. Anthony Adamatiak. You know who does um, a good Trump? Bob DeBono. Yeah. But yeah, Alec. Ba- I'm just getting a, like That's Alec Baldwin's Trump is just getting kind of. Eh. Yeah, no, it always was for me. The other guy is amazing. Why can I not remember? I saw his show in Salt Lake. He came through. It was spectacular. And man, he did. It was silly. And then it devolved. It went into just really serious. Almost like a, just a just a screed. Just angry. Well, I like Alec Baldwin. I love Alec Baldwin as a comedic guy. Yeah, I like Alec Baldwin. I like his. I mean, I think his. I like his Trump. Some of his personal life behavior is definitely problematic. Yeah. True. But, uh, but you, I mean, you haven't heard many of those stories about him recently. Yeah, well, and um, I think the, you know, the last one was what when he yelled at his daughter, yeah. called her, a, a, you know, a pig. Yeah, that was what was that ten years ago? Yeah, that which is while. still yeah. like the worst fucking parenting yeah, I can no, imagine. It's, it's terrible parenting, sure, but as a parent, sometimes you have those moments where <laughs> you think those things. I've had, you, I've you, had. You get what so I'm, angry at these kids that you because, you know, and it's not the child's fault. Right. That you can't handle, that you can't no, deal the with child is, The child is a, a barely functional moron exactly. who is like, just I've trying moments, to I've had not moments die. With my son. I've had moments with my son where it feels like he's trying to send me over the edge, and I have to. He is. I have to no, tell myself, he no, he's just a baby. I mean, he's. he's oh, he's a baby. He's not a teenager. Teenagers no, 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 are. No, They're no, trying no, to send Joe to the edge. No, yeah. my son is three, so no, you know yeah. he's not. He doesn't know. He's not doing it on purpose. No. So I have to remind myself of that. So. You know, before I became a parent, I was like, how could you say something like that to your child? But now as a father, I'm like, I kind of understand the, the anger that yeah. you can, you know. 
but the guy, you know, <coughs> the other guy's impressions so amazing. Yeah, that's that's gonna drive me nuts. I'll find, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Anthony Adamaniac. Alec Baldwin does a good De Niro too. That's true. He does a good De Niro. Yeah. He does. But yeah, I was gonna say about uh, about Baldwin because with what seems like an endless stream of uh, of allegations of sexual misconduct that's coming out of of Hollywood right now. Um, I don't think I've heard anything like that about Baldwin. I haven't yet, but I, I mean, it might be coming, but I haven't heard it. It seems like he's one that somebody would have wanted to take down if they if yeah. they had something. Especially, but since his he's so yeah, vocal I mean, about his you know yeah. his leanings and yeah, his his attitude towards yeah, his like I said, his his parenting behavior. Like I was you know very taken aback by because I think I mean I have. I I had the luxury of having parents who did a a pretty goddamn good job and you know managed their emotions pretty well, um, so I, I literally I can't imagine the like being in a situation where one of my parents yelled at me like that. Yeah, like I the the one time I remember my dad losing his temper with me, uh, and I was in uh, ninth grade. And I had gotten this, uh, like a leather biker jacket for Christmas that I was super stoked about that I want, like I wanted really bad. And, uh, I saw somebody, I saw a picture of a guy in a magazine, like Vanity Fair or something. It was a guy that I just like thought looked cool for whatever reason. And he was wearing a t-shirt that said white trash on it. And I was like, that's cool. So I took nail polish and I painted white trash on my leather jacket Oh wow! And my dad lost yeah. his shit. Yeah, he was so mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah, I'd have been upset too. And I realized years later that that had to do with the fact that we were super poor when I was really little, and I'm a hundred percent certain that, like that, like either somebody had called him that or he, he had felt like that at one point. I mean, he was you know there were times when we were on public assistance. My brother and I were actually got like free lunches at school. For most yeah. of my time, like until I, I stopped eating school lunch in junior high, but I think we were on free lunches all the way through elementary school. Yeah. Um, and leather and jackets so, aren't cheap. Oh, no, that's... Yeah. No, but I mean, that was by the time, like by the time they got me the leather jacket, we were doing okay. Um, that was... But no, like we, I've, I've called, I've, I've told my son, you're being a jerk right now. Like I've said that to him yeah. in moments of... Yeah, you but I, I mean, I feel like that's a perfectly acceptable, uh, you know, way to parent. I think, and I'm, I, I don't have kids, but I talk to my, I talk to my my nieces and nephews like adults, uh, and I'm just like, you're, yeah, I don't want to do that right now, or you know, you're, you're not being okay, very, you being know, a little bit of a jerk yeah, right now. I don't like kind of selfish. Cut it out. Yeah, you're better than that. I have muttered, you little shit. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many times, <laughs> little shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've 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 yelled at my son. I've not yelled, but like I've gotten loud with my son about crying sometimes because he'll cry for no reason. And so I've told him, I'm like, there are acceptable reasons to cry. You slam your hand in a car door. You know, somebody you love is no longer with us. Some she devil breaks your heart. These are acceptable reasons to cry. Daddy says no is not an acceptable reason to cry. Like I'm all for you expressing your feelings. But do it the right way. Don't cry because I won't let you have fruit snacks it's after you've already painful. had chocolate. Have you have you painful. tried the the boy who cried wolf with him yet? No, I haven't. He might be he might be close to old enough. I have to, to start uh, entered that story in, in, inundating him with that little that little 
what is obviously a parental training tool. Yeah, definitely. That story was definitely written yep. by a parent to try and yeah. shut their kid up. Absolutely. <laughs> good book. Good <laughs> story. It is. It's got a good a good lesson. Yeah. The boy cried wolf. Yeah. But yeah, no, I don't I, I don't think blame. getting back to the Trump thing, I think that's part of the problem with Trump. Yeah, we yeah. Demonized politicians side both sides demonized politicians and they painted these at least 80% false versions of the other side so when an actual bad person ran well they're all no they're not all like this no 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 no, no. this This guy is is this guy he's not a good guy the problem is now the bar has been lowered so much now we've got this fucking this Roy uh, Roy Moore which I cannot I, I cannot believe that I was actually reading this because I okay I can get the cognitive dissonance and the the cause the, the the way that a person can stop themselves from believing that the allegations are true yeah like I, I get how a, a brain a person's brain, right because I like I have you know people who who I want to be supportive of or who I want to believe in and if I hear something bad about them I'm gonna have a really hard time believing that but what I cannot fucking understand is the number of, of things that I've seen in the last couple of days of people who are going, I genuinely don't care if it's true. I would yeah, rather I would insane. rather have a child molester than a Democrat. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But that's, the division is so deep. I know. Like I when I bring up I've been working on this global warming crap for a while, and when I bring up weather on stage. Oh yeah. When you bring up that topic, yeah. the audience just Man, you can feel the anger, the anger. And I was thinking about it. It's we're that divided. I mean, when you look at just that concept of climate change and yeah. how one side says, "Look, the 0.04 percent of the atmosphere is CO2, and it used to be 0.03. We know it's going to go up to four, five, six times as it is, which is going to be that's levels that we haven't had since 200 something million years ago." Yeah. And the other side says, "You're still only 6,000 years old." I mean, that's how far apart we are. Yeah. Yeah. Or yes. even the people that don't, you know, well, the scientists are lying and it's manipulated. And or, they, yeah. No, just the planet's all always gotten warmer and cooler. And, and the, the cynicism that, well, with it. And it has always gotten warmer. I get how it is right. a confusing yeah, thing. Yeah, it's gone but, up and down. But the, the, and I mean, there was like, there was a, so divided there now. was a mini ice age in the, that started mm-hmm. at the end 1800s. of the 13th century. Okay, thir- and then 13, it continued century, up to, up to, up to, to 1800s, the, yeah, yeah. to the 1800s. So yeah. we're exiting an ice age. We yeah. are. Yeah. I um, used to yeah, tell I mean, us people a, all the yeah, time when I was... smaller ice age, but yeah, at the beginning, at the, at the end of the 13th and into the beginning of the 14th century, there was like massive famine, uh, starvation, death, cannibalism, all this shit yeah. because of, yeah. because the, the, like all of this, what was viable farmland was so when we was started no eating longer. potatoes. Oh, the okay. potato uh, was uh, a, a dietary yeah, change. Yeah, I mean, that, make, I that think, makes believe, sense. I believe that was due to uh, that cooling temperature yeah, and loss of sense. certain crops. But yeah, I mean, the thing that I always go to and the thing that I think that, um, you know, people who acknowledge the fact that climate change is occurring need to focus on is that whether or not it is anthropogenic doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah to like, a point. Stop yeah. arguing about whether or not human beings are contributing because it doesn't matter. It's yeah. like whether, you know, if, if a building is about to fall down and you're arguing about whether or not, you know, the, the people at the bottom of the building attacking it with hammers are actually influencing the building falling down or if it's falling, just, yeah. no, it's already leaning, so it's just gravity and buildings fall down all the time. That's fine. 
It's like, no, the fucking building is going to fall down, so we need to do something about yeah, that. Yeah. I don't care at this point. We, we don't have to fucking talk about why it's happening. Let's just do something about yeah, the, the building and falling. And the air, down. like this stuff with uh, the change, that's where I get, like, it, I go both ways. Like, uh, I had a friend of mine, I said, well, one proposal to address climate change would cost something, I can't remember how many trillion. Right. And he said, well, we should just do it. And I said, whoa. If we spend three or four trillion dollars on this problem, we'll be fine. But those poorer countries, they'll starve to death. That kills people, these kinds of decisions. So it does need to stay rational. Right. And it's not. It's not rational right. on and the that's far the, and, left or yeah, far and, right. And, and, and you kooks. can't you yeah. can't get to a rational consensus. There's no middle ground. When everybody in the middle ground is like, well, I, that's just uh, people. That, way too many people who are potentially in the middle express their middleness by just not fucking participating. And now you get they yell at you for being in the middle. You get yelled at by the extremes. Right. They get angry at you for not taking a side, and that's so. Oh, I'm just saying. Okay. Just, oh, did you find that guy's name? Yeah. It no, just, I didn't. <laughs> it's just ridiculous to me because there's so much evidence and proof. Like, it's it's as if you're sitting in a math class and your teacher says 2 plus 2 is 4. And there's a kid in the back of the room that goes, well, I have this book that says 2 plus 2 is 5. And this is what I've been reading so I don't care that you and everybody else that has ever learned math says two plus two is yeah, four. Is I say it's five, and that's it. You're not going to change my mind. Yeah, right? yeah. I have the problem with the just uh, and whole, like you say, they reject this entire community of scientists yeah. and the amount of cynicism they have yeah. about all those people. Like, well, all those people are cons, and they're yeah. liars, and they're just tricking us, and they work to get the government larger. That's the kind of stuff like that's really cynical. And if you met some of these scientists and talked to them for a minute, you know, they're sincere. They actually know a lot. Maybe they do have some things that are wrong, but you are just, all you're operating on is cynicism. Yeah. That's yeah. all you have. You don't have real information. It's, you have it's cynicism. Like they, they say you're, you're a hoax. Everything yeah. you're saying is a hoax, and none Fake of that news. is true. Yeah. Fake news. Fake yeah. news. But, but I have this book that I've been reading that says that one man spent however many years building a giant boat mm -hmm. and then corralled two of every animal. Yeah, and they'll believe it, yeah. And that's the gospel truth. Like, it does, it's, it's just, like, you're, you're you've, you've got proof that things are changing and everything's getting worse, but yet that, that's impossible. But a burning bush right. can, yeah. like, a man can raise yeah, a so staff Yeah, so what they can believe and can't. And, like, I'm, I'm not a militant atheist or, uh, you know, uh, or, or anti-religion. Like, I believe in uh spirituality and spiritual metaphor and i certainly believe that there is more to uh the, the the human soul and more to the universe than we're able to figure out through religion or science right now sure but that doesn't mean that i think religion and science are are equal and i certainly don't think i i, I can't understand people who actually literally believe the stories in the bible yeah, yeah that's it's like using them as a parable yeah okay i get i get it you know yeah. like this is a story like i you know i use stories in you know, all the time to be like, hey, this is an example of the thing that I'm talking about that makes it easier for you to understand it. Yeah. Totally no. get it. But people who, who th like, the people who, and, and I, I genuinely, I, I've asked this question of people because I, I can't understand. If a person legitimately believes in the literal 
uh, anthropomorphic existence of God. Like, not the concept of God. I'm fine with the concept of, you know, higher intelligence because I'm certain there is one outside, you know, in, in the universe. But the concept of a, a, a humanoid, bearded, robed man who lives somewhere and made human beings out of clay. Yeah. I'm just like, no, you don't, like, you don't actually yeah, believe that, literally. do you? Yeah, they like, do, and it's... I, I, I can't... I had a friend... It, it, and we'll talk about this stuff now. And I went from being very skeptical of the global warming in the beginning. And I was very skeptical, and I'd read lots of books about it. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I was skeptical is because not the environmental scientists, some of the scientists did it, but in activists mm -hmm. were cherry-picking data. Right. They would lie about stuff. Like all that stuff you heard about polar bears is a lot of bullshit. That's a lot of bullshit. What they they cherry-pick the data to say that they're threatened. Actually, what they don't tell you is that from like 1950 to uh, 19, I can't remember the date, sounds like 90, polar bear population went up 500%. Huh. It shot up. And then they said it's gone down 20%. No, it was actually stable from like 90 to 2000 or something. It had just gone down 20% in two of the subpopulations. One of those was the Hudson Bay population. So they cherry-picked those that decade. Right and said, look, it's gone down 20%, and pushed the panic button. That's what the World Wildlife Fund did, to get money, to get money. Well, and that okay. kind of stuff bugs the living hell out of me. Because when you lie like that, and then I find out, now how am I supposed to trust you? Okay, so Why did you lie? I, 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 I absolutely see where you're coming from. I think that the, I think that the flip side to that, I, I think the, the response to that it, because climate scientists, scientists worldwide were talking about global warming in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And we're pressing the, and we're going like with, were, with legitimate data going, hey, this is the data and this is extremely troubling. Somebody do something about this for years and years and years and years. And years. But they thought it was going to get colder. When? Didn't they? 60s and 70s. Some of them were saying, oh, it's going to cool the temperatures. The pollution goes up, it'll cool and it'll go warm. They, all this predictive sciences, these long-term predictions, very tricky. This is tricky stuff to do. Right. It's just, but they knew that CO2 is a greenhouse gas. Right. They know it is. Right. That's, that is not prediction. That's just yeah. fact. Yeah. So, they, yeah. but, so, you know, people had been trying with, because, because actual science, actual data is very complicated. Extremely I think that's part of the reason that it ends up. I'm not, and it's not a direct, you know, the, you know, step one to step two that leads to, you know, environmental activists lying or manipulating data. But it's a logical progression as you know, you have a very complicated set of data that, if you understand it, will lead you to the will yeah. will probably lead you to the conclusion that this is a problem that needs to be addressed. And then you go, okay, well, so nobody understands what the fuck this is. So here's a dumbed down version of that. And but that this still would, doesn't convince But what they everybody. were doing, what the Wild Watch did was just flat out dishonest. Right. They knew that the original study of the polar bears done by scientists showed all of the data. They cherry-picked a decade. They cherry-picked it. One person did it. And then that news story got pumped in. And then the way our news works now, yeah. replicated a million times. Yeah. And then I have to sit in a bar and there's some drunk asshole <laughs> who doesn't know their head from their ass. They don't, I would ask them a lot of times, what percentage of the atmosphere is CO2? Oh, you don't know, do you? When's it, what's it going to go to? What, do you, they, they would know nothing. Right. They would regurgitate sound bites. 
And, and it was just maddening for me to, to know that the activists had got a hold of this. And sometimes the activists, they are unrealistic about how they want to approach this. It's yeah. just, yeah. they have, there's a great book I read a while ago that my brother-in-law gave to me, who's an environmentally conscious guy with degrees, former Marine, but now he's, and it's called Breakthrough, Why We Can't Leave Saving the Earth Up to the Environmentalists. And it's by the two people who ran the Clinton campaign. And they talk about how the worldview, the idea behind so many activists, is it's just not, it's so removed from real economics in the real world that they'll come at you with an right. approach. That that's not, just the other day I was on, I was listening and uh, they were mad at, it was, they brought on the activists to, to address, what was the issue? Oh, that oil companies are now investing lots of money into carbon recapture. Uh, with certain systems of uh, okay, uh, so th just, and then they brought on the activists. Well, I just I'm concerned that they're going to focus on this technology when what we really need to do is people need to change how they live. And I'm shouting at the radio. Hey, guess what, idiot? That is the hardest thing to do. Right. That is I, called I, attitudinal I, inherency. I, I, you, I agree. To with make that. everybody join your religion? Are you fucking crazy? Right. <laughs> of course we got to work on the technology. Yeah. We fucking well better. Yeah. The thing that drives me nuts on the other side is when you see people who are trying to maintain, especially when it comes to uh, to non-renewables, people who are, yeah. you know, Trump's going to yeah. bring coal back. or the, Insane. You know, we're gonna be, Insane. We're go Jesus fucking Christ. We know right now, right this minute, we know exactly how much natural gas, how much crude oil, how much coal, like all of that, uh, you know, all we of these resources. Of oil. Man. Like, we know how much there is in the world right now, or at least we have a pretty good sense. Because we've pretty yeah. much figured out where it all is, and w and we can extrapolate from that knowledge how long that shit's going to last. And guess what? That number is less than infinity. So regardless of how much <laughs> oil we have right fucking now, we need to be thinking about what we're yeah. going to do when we run out of oil. You, you want to? You don't want to just burn it. Yeah. You don't want to just burn it. Now the number of that number, like there was that big peak oil movement right. about back when I was first looking at this stuff and. You know, they thought it was a lot less oil, way less. But then they found new reserves, and they found technology to reach more reserves. But it's fracking. Right. So fracking now you got to look at, well, what what does that do to your environment? you yeah. got to be honest about it. Then fracking is another one where, I, like, I'm frustrated on both sides because, I keep, you know, you see people on uh, the left who are, saying, you know, talking about how it's poisonous. You it's see doomsday, the, yeah. You know, the, the business people on the right saying, oh, no, there's nothing it's wrong with fine. it. It's just fine. And I'm like, And yeah. I'm just like, okay, I, I've, I've seen video of somebody with flaming water coming out of their tap. And then I also see a corporation that has a clear profit motive to prevent this information from coming out. Yeah. So I, I'm inclined to believe that it is not ideal. I'm inclined to believe scientists. Yeah. I want to, yeah. the scientific community. That's yeah. who I like. But I don't problem, like activists and, and I, I don't like big businesses. Well, and I, I yeah. immediately did tr distrust any business that uh, that spends a shitload of money trying to prevent studies from being done on their impact on, uh -huh. you know, on I'm the environment. I'm not going to trust them. They, they have a horrible record. I, I immediately assume that that means that you already know. And it's exactly what the yeah. fucking tobacco companies did with, uh, you know, with with cancer and and, uh, and tobacco related illness research in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and yeah. now we've got you know oh, the, the you know gun manufacturers in the NRA doing the exact same thing right now. And, yeah, you know, oh oil no, oil companies and the, um, like and the mining industry. And, look what they did to Montana. You can't like trust mining? them. Uh, oh, they ruined all the water and just mm. just horrible stuff. They would do leach, the way they remove the gold from the ore. They would just stack a big pile of the dirt with the gold in it. Then they would uh, cyanide leach process. They'd huh. have a little basin made of nickel. They would just 
dump cyanide on it, and it would, that was the chemical that they would use to separate the gold from the ore. And then all those toxic tailings, they would just spray them into the forest. And then those mining companies got unbelievably wealthy, and they pushed the cost of that onto us. Right. And that's the other that's thing called that an I external get, cost. Right. That's that's the other thing. That that's where I'm like, you don't furious. get to do that. You do no. not get to do that. Yeah. No. It's it's. I it's think an oil privatizing yeah. profits and socializing losses. It's bullshit. Like the uh, the oil spill down on the coast. Mm-hmm. You know, in my opinion, if that happens, the board of directors and CEO, you all go to jail. You go to jail. Yeah. Then you won't be able. Then you won't be so nonchalant about subcontracting it and not watching what. They would inspect the goddamn stuff themselves. Yeah. No, if they the knew. lack of accountability. My ass is well, going this, to jail. Go, this, yeah. this goes to. Uh, so, um, I was reading uh, a book uh, by Simon Sinek, uh, and actually, I can't remember if it's. He's got two books. One's called uh, Start with Wine, the other one's called Leaders Eat Last. And I can't remember which one this, this story's in. Um, but it's about the uh, airline strike in the, in the mid 80s. Uh, so it's during the Reagan administration and the air, you know, the, the airline workers are uh, federal employees and they go on strike because their working conditions are awful and it's the most stressful job literally in the entire world. I remember that strike. And yeah. so Reagan's response was he just fired everybody. I remember that too. And that, and, and at least in, in Sinek's book, his, he makes the point that that is a major turning point in um, the attitude of American business towards the workers. Oh, interesting. Because... It treats them less as people. It treats them as products or as property or, you know, um, so yeah. by rather than listening to their concerns or, you know, uh, doing anything to to address their complaints, you just fire everybody. And that kind of trickles down because when the president of the United States does something, then it becomes OK for everybody else That's to do a precedent. it. And which is exactly how yeah, we get a man too. who is uh, is a child molester who is still yeah. considered a viable political candidate. It's weird the the, the one what I found weird is he's contesting the 14 year old and but then he's fessing up to the 16 17 right yeah he's still he's dating in his still 30s make it yeah, he's still dating teenagers in his 30s 30s yeah that is so damn creepy right well and there are people he's on just following the footsteps of Jefferson there, if you think about it it's Thomas well, Jefferson according to, uh, minus the intellect according to somebody I can't remember who it was somebody in like the and racism somebody in the state um, was uh, was talking about how he was following in the steps of uh, Joseph Mary's, and Mary oh yeah I heard that yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. oh yeah, no. Mary was a teenager, and Joseph that's was insane. a grown man carpenter. It w- first of all, if it fucking happened, because there, if you have, have you ever read um, Zealot by Reza Aslan? Yeah, but no, Joseph also raised another man's well, son. <clears throat> right. Anyway, <laughs> the point that Reza Aslan brings up is that there, like in ter- in terms of historic data, there's not a ton of hard evidence that Jesus existed. At least the character that's that's in the Bible, like that oh. that specific person existed, and who knows if it's a, you know an amalgam or whatever. But yeah, I mean the so the idea that Joseph and Mary that the you know, the Joseph and Mary story like first of all if that did happen they clearly were lying like they they got knocked <laughs> up and they said and they couldn't admit to it because they weren't married and they said yeah no it's god did it like that's yeah. obviously what happened in that story and i don't understand how anybody ever reads that story and thing. and goes oh yeah it's true it's god yeah, yeah that makes sense yeah. yeah it had to be no the funniest thing about it to me is maybe it was I'm sure Doug. you've seen uh, <laughs> flip the letters. Yeah, sure, sure. It was the dog. Doug. It had to be the dog. Doug. Yeah, it had oh, to be the dog. Yeah. Uh, but no, the um, I mean, you've seen the 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 memes or whatever where it's like, if Jesus came back today, right, 
the the people who thumped the Bible the hardest would be the same people who wouldn't want to let him into the country because he's a Middle Eastern, he's a he's yeah. a Jew from the Middle East, yeah. Who's got you know they what was it saying? I'm not sure the exact word, but doesn't Semitic. they say he has hair like cotton? Semitic, yeah. uh, well, and or, I mean, you know, the, like he's you know, this is another thing that um, he's a Middle Eastern Jew. Like they would want to keep him out of here. So somebody was uh, I was talking about different translations of the Bible um, with Jack and, and everybody else on the uh, Am I shouting? And um, so the the King James version of the Bible is where we get um, the use of the or the 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 um, Normalization of the word of, of the use of Jesus versus Yeshua or any other uh, you know translations of the name, um, and, but it's also where kind of the the Europeanization of the appearance of Jew of, of Jesus uh, comes Jesus. of Jesus <laughs> comes from uh, comes from that uh, comes from that translation, um, and uh, and I think that some of that stuff has has carried over because yeah I mean it's. 2000 years ago in fucking Palestine the guy was brown he was yeah yeah real brown yeah, yeah, yeah. like not, there's this blonde haired blue eyed jesus i grew up with it a white he was brown haired but he was quite white looking yeah, yeah concept of yeah jesus. at the very yeah, le- i mean yeah the, the picture of the long hair and the beard and yeah, the blue but eyes. At, least, at, yeah. at the very least he's you know it's like you know my haircut like you know mid to light brown and you know, pale, relatively pale skin, which there's just there's no. He probably looks more like Aziz Ansari than Jonah Hill. Yeah, <laughs> both because he was smaller and because of the <laughs> skin tone. Yeah. Anyway, that's it is a big divide in the country. Yeah, it's a yeah, cultural it's just, divide. I I try so hard to not do it. I try so hard, but different. I but at the same time, like the only time I inter virtually the only time I interact with people who I don't agree with politically is. Like on on the internet on Twitter and oh, that's no good I just no, event I, it just it's immediately no devolves into calling and you're only going to talk about what you don't have in common yeah. and I think that's the big problem if you sit down with someone that has these different views and you talked about your kids the baseball you could develop a bond and trust where they could you could actually ask opinions about that and well, not at this go point nuts. it's hard to even do that that's what's frustrating yeah, because i mean so I have, much of it's politicized and polarized yeah too. i mean like quite quite a few of my coworkers are you know are, are far more right-leaning uh, than i am but even then we just like we won't talk about it at all like the i think the last time i had even uh, close to a political conversation in the office. One of my coworkers was walking through, and he was complaining about how everybody be, uh, how, and he was just parroting that fucking Fox News talking point. And he was like, "I can't believe how you know the media is being and people are being so mean to uh, to Donald and Melania." And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, "Come on, how mean is he? He called he was no, 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 no. Setting aside how mean they are as yeah, individuals, he's a mean guy. He's do you know person. some of the shit that people said about uh, oh, yeah, Barack that, and Michelle? Oh yeah, Asinine's and that's the, that's horrible. that's the point and that Bush, I can't fucking George stand. Bush. They said horrible stuff about but yeah, him too. That's, and, and, yeah, and that's the point that I can't stand is when somebody comes up to try and defend Trump and is like they're meaner to him than they have been to any president in the no no, no they're not. That not is true. not accurate. At that all. is not accurate. Oh, no, they're nasty to there Obama. There were multiple and they were nasty to Bush. There were multiple people who held public office during the, the the Obama administration who lost their jobs for posting shit on 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 social media, calling either Barack or Michelle yeah. or the two of them some sort of race, Racist, either an yeah. ape or using the N word or you know yeah. like no no whatever. it's like, uh, 
yeah, nasty. The, I, the idea that you, you know, when one side or the other claims that they've been nice, I'm like, you, no. you're delusional. Yeah, you're nuts. It's ridiculous. Yeah, no, I saw what you guys were saying. I, yeah. There was, I a, was there. I this used to be a, a joke in my act. There was a, some um, like Republican women's voters group in California during it was right after uh, Obama's first election. Uh, and they were like trying to do a fundraiser or it may, it may have been coming up to the second election, but whatever. Uh, and they sent out a mailer with a little jokey joke thing in there for everybody to get a little chuckle out of. And it was something called Obama bucks. And it was a fake piece of currency with Obama's face in the middle. Uh, except it was like a Sambo, you know, oh like caricature gosh. of Obama. That's and the then there was a P then, then there was, uh, pictures in the, like the four corners of uh, fried chicken and watermelon and uh, like grape soda and one other thing I can't remember what the other thing was Newports uh, oh, probably yeah, maybe My it was God. Newports but yeah and and uh, and then they had the balls to be like yeah that's not racist that's just food yeah you're morons yeah you're, you're no you're lying you're morons you're people. lying it's ridiculous well they they yeah. really don't agree on we don't agree on even the terms to talk right like what is racism. You argue about that. People oh, yeah. argue about that all the time. Oh yeah, because and it people is think, shifting. Yeah, no, because it's there constantly... are people who you know, it's the same people who think that white genocide is a thing, but uh, there are people who will go out and be like, Yeah, no, it's racist to tell me that I can't say the N word because I'm white. Nope. No, no that's, it's not. That's, no, Actually, that's not racist. You're ignoring it's, history. It yeah. is it is a thing that is based on race. In that you are correct. But you are not being discriminated against by being told that you can't say one of the worst words you in the American English yeah, language. Yeah. White people have never been discriminated against, ever. No. We've been in charge the whole the time. The whole time. Well, I think, now see, that now we can argue a little. This would be good. Um, I think we've over, like, there's a thing where you say, well, black people can't be racist. I've heard that. But see, I think they can. Well, they can, but it doesn't have the teeth. It doesn't have the... Right. There's systemic racism right. and that's is white what, when, in America. When I, when I, use, yeah, I, yeah, I only yeah. use the word racism for you know, systemic racism and, and basically racism that can actually hurt you. Because if, you, you know, if, a, if well, a black person runs up to you and calls you a cracker... Unless that, he's your boss and right. you're the, one of the few white people at that business right. and, and that, he shits on right. you. And then, that is, again... That, yeah. Because power isn't that simply divided in America. It's it's a complex structure. However, in 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 a, systemically, in, yeah, right, oh, yeah, exactly. In, in individual yeah. microcosms, yeah. perhaps there are interests. Walk into in, the wrong neighborhood, right? Yeah. Perhaps there are yeah. instances of of racism. But again, when I, I like I I generally look at it as look at as look Bigotry. at it as the big the bigger picture racism. Where, okay, I walk into the right in, into the wrong neighborhood, I might get beat up. Yeah, that's possible. Oh, like yeah. I've, I've, uh, you know, I, I lived on the edge of if, some, like some, yeah. some rough neighborhoods in Brooklyn, and there were a couple of times I when I took the wrong. Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, I came of age in Brooklyn. I where? was born and raised in Brooklyn. We talked York. about this before, haven't we? Yeah, I'm a uh, well, from Bay Ridge, Bensonhurst, Gravesend. Okay, so uh, my high school was I was, uh, my high school was predominantly black. In our in the high school production of West Side Story, the Jets and the Sharks were both black. That's how many, <laughs> and that's that's true. And it was a great show. I made, I made a lot of friends in that show. I was on the stage crew of that. Um, but yeah, no, like I I grew up in and I mean for me it was never an issue because I was never taught to believe that anybody was any less than I was. Right. Yeah, you know, and, and neither was, was I. And if you you yeah. know if you if we were cool, we were cool. I didn't care what you looked like. I might have cared what you smelled like. 
<laughs> that's because that's an important detail. Yeah, but too. otherwise, you know, and um, it was definitely very like I could walk. I I saw it every day because I had a lot of black friends. Um, you know, we would walk into stores, grocery oh, stores, convenience <laughs> yeah. stores. Nobody gave a shit what I was doing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And they were paying attention to my friends. When, Absolutely. Meanwhile, I was the one in there who didn't have any money, and they were looking to buy, you know, whatever it was they yeah. were going to buy. I was Gum. just browsing. So you would see it constantly. Yeah. yeah, I saw it every day. Yeah. Yeah, I was like naive Utah, raised Mormon, which had racism. Yeah. In it. Uh, and then. Well, yeah, and especially when you yeah. were. Well, no, I guess it would. It would have been. Sh- you would have been very young when they got rid of the whole Mark of Cain thing. No, I was. The, no, it's not the Mark of Cain. The uh, well, that's what that was the rationalization behind it. Right, that right. It was the priesthood seventy eight, but I 78. was nineteen seventy eight. Jesus. So I was uh, how old? Saying seventy eight, uh, 65, 75, 13 years old. And, and that was, was the first time that, like they in our family, like oh, I'm so that doesn't mean the racism goes away. It's a different right. kind of racism. Yeah, but it's well, definitely it's this, yeah. Superiority racism. Yeah, is and, and that that's why, yeah. th- like, that's that's why it's inherently bullshit. Anybody who tries to act like, you know, oh well, everybody's well, they're picking we, on me. We they're got racist. well, not anybody who's like, thing. well, we got rid of the whites only fountains, so racism's over. No, it's not. Mm-mm. I mean, do you realize that <laughs> this is like I, I love the statistics. So, Loving versus Virginia was in I think '67. Uh, I think that's right, mid '60s. And that was, the, you know, the first uh, interracial marriage case that went to okay, the Supreme yeah. Court. Um, it was not until the mid-80s that American popular opinion on interracial marriage swayed more than 50% into approval. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, that's, that's racism. Yeah. It's amazing. And it, and, it, and it was a point that I brought up before we had full marriage equality because people would make that bullshit argument. Well, wait, like, we don't want it to happen, so it shouldn't be able to happen. No. Because no, nobody who, you know, nobody but like a swastika wearing, you know, a full on uh, white supremacist is going to try and argue that interracial marriage is not okay. Yeah. Like anybody, I, I certainly wouldn't trust or want to have a conversation with uh, anybody who, you know, who tried to argue that point right now. But there are still people who would not argue that point. You know, you would ask them, okay, what do you think about interracial marriage? They'd be like, yeah, of course, fine, because we're all human beings. But then you ask them about gay marriage, and they're like, no, 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 that's against God or blah, blah, yeah, blah, whatever. It's the, the same. It's the, the ex- every, every single argument yeah, involved same in. Kind of, same kind of arguments. Yeah, I, I mean, same, so literally same exact arguments. It's it's against God. It's against nature. There, it, it'll yeah. it'll be bad for the kids. Yeah, like, all this. Stuff. All of the same arguments were that were used for you know to against interracial yeah. marriage or just trotted out for. There was uh, there was one New Year's Eve in New York. My friends and I were all hanging out and we were drinking and having a good time. And uh, a fight broke out, and in on a corner where we were, like we were just walking. And uh, my friends and I decided they were we were a mix. They were maybe half of us were black, half of us were white. We were mm-hmm. just kind of hanging out. And um, I I went to go like and I like I've never been taught to be afraid of the police. Right. I've yeah. never I've yeah, never once thought yeah. I've never seen a police officer coming my direction and thought I'm in trouble. Uh, but it was a very I'm thinking back on it now. My friend. Uh, who was black was with me. We were standing right next to each other. And I went to like look around the police officer to see what was happening. And he put his hand on my chest to stop me from moving forward. And I looked the cop right in the face and said, you don't need to be putting your hands on me. 
I haven't done any. I, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just standing here. And my buddy pulled me away from him and was like, dude, let's just go. Let's just yeah, go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was like, I was not, af- I wasn't afraid of anything because right. I was like, I have, I didn't do anything. I'm just trying to look. You don't need to put your hands on me. But he knew that it's it dangerous. doesn't matter. Yes, if I'm dangerous. drunk, if I'm drunk and being loud, so, you know, and yeah. it was just the difference of, you well, know, and, even now, like you think of Brooklyn as being such an integrated uh, place, but and, and I mean, I moved back um, ten years ago, but um, I lived in um, Prospect Heights, which is you know just north of the park, um, and it was an it's actually like it's a made up neighborhood basically because it was you know it's between um, uh, Park Slope and Crown Heights. Uh, <clears throat> And it's, you know, just at the north end of the park. But it's so it's still a like when I was living there, still a rapidly gentrifying area. So there's, you know, relatively new white people and, you know, established uh, black people who have been in the neighborhood for years. So there's like new new spots opening up basically where the white people go. And then there's spots that have been around for a while yeah, where the black people go. And then I had a couple of black friends and we were walking. We were walking around the neighborhood and we were going to some place that I had never like that I had walked by a million times. Like that was on one of the streets that I walked down from the train to my apartment every single day. And I had never known that it was there and had never been inside uh, because it would like, I, and I don't know, I, I genuinely don't know if it was like that I didn't notice it. Like it was, it was weird to me. It was like, it's something that had suddenly appeared, but it had been there forever because I was not aware of it. And, and yeah, I was with a couple of friends of mine and I was like, wait, what the, f- how long has this been here? I had no idea this was here. Yeah. Well, um, my my thing with that with the with that getting back to that original question, can a white black person be racist? My problem is if if the rhetoric, like I say, the the term shift, and then we'll argue about what racism is, and then we'll right. argue about what to do about it, right? And all that contention starts coming in. But in the end, what I felt was, well, you argue about the words, and even if you say you can't be racist, but if you're living your life, white or black or whatever, and you just decide you don't like an entire group of people, it cripples you yeah. in life because it cuts off all those bridges and connections. And if the people you don't like are white people, horribly crippling in America. That hurts oh, yeah. you. Yeah. That's such a crippling thing to I think a bigotry yeah. has a price. Yeah. And, and in America, you can be white and bigoted and get by. Yeah. Yep. But if you're, if, yeah, but if, if you're, you're minority non, yeah, and you're bigoted against and white bigoted. people, it's really destructive for you. All the, all the anger you're gonna have, and and the lack of interaction, and the political connections you miss, and it just life. It's yeah. But there's, tough a, I mean, stuff, man. at the same time, there's a very valid reason for a, a non-white person to have oh, totally. to have anger. Oh, to have, they should know, have angry. Have, yeah, they should question. be very angry. And so, right now. It's, and that's a really, really difficult target to hit in terms of owning your anger, knowing it, not trying to suppress no, it, not str- trying to the eat struggle. It, that's a but horrible at the same struggle. time, not letting it overtake you and you know and poison struggle. your ability yeah. to interact with Just, other human at, beings. You know, at a certain point, how do you not let it? Po- like, how do you live? Under conditions like that, your whole life, where you're treated treated less than, and you're you're suspicious by just being alive. Yeah. Like, how do you? I don't. I don't even. How do you not let that? I couldn't imagine. I am. I I am. You know, I've I've lived in in certain uh, time periods. Like in in Nazi Germany, I would have been considered a Jew and and would have been exterminated. But in terms of, you know, like late 20th, 30s, early 21st century America, I'm, I'm white. 
Uh, and so I've, I've had the privilege of, you know, living my entire life as, as being considered a a, a white person. And it's only within the last few years that I've really started to become almost overwhelmed with, you know, the, what I see happening to other people and, and just, just seeing it happening to other people is like, Jesus, it's, it's exhausting. It just, you know, I see one, one story after, exactly. I'm just like, Oh my God, I cannot fucking believe the police murdered another person. I don't even want to get out of bed today. And it didn't even fucking happen to me. Nothing bad happened to me. I just heard about it and I'm like, God damn it. How can I like, what am I supposed to do about this? How do I, what, what do I do to fucking help and make it better? Like and the the one in uh, Ferguson, what was that guy's name? Uh, kicked off uh, Michael Brown. Was he? Yeah. Yeah. Was he the one in Ferguson or was he yeah. in New York? He's Ferguson. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think Michael He's Brown. Michael was Brown. Ferguson. I think Eric, and, uh, Eric Garner. Was yeah, Eric New Garner York. was yeah. was New York, Staten Island. Yeah, he was the one who was the choked Luz, to death. And when that, Lucy's, yeah. When that happened with Michael Brown and uh, he got shot, and yeah. then the facts come out that no, he actually rushed the cop. Yeah. He tried to take his gun. Well, so he may cop, or may not have tried to take his gun, but, but there was definitely a, there was a, a tussle. But okay, that. that but here's go no, back no. To, I'm going to okay, start. Sorry, I sorry. Finish. Go ahead. The reason, the big question is, why was he so angry that, at yes, that age yes, to yes. rush a cop? What caused that hatred? Exactly. And anger. That's the issue. Yeah. But people that well, he rushed a cop, and I agree. We can't unarm our cop. A lot of the people the cops shoot, a lot of them are pretty bad. Like in uh, Minneapolis, they had one shooting where the man was hitting his girlfriend and refused to stop. Yeah. Shoot him. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't, have, I don't yeah. have a problem with that. I'm 100% okay with the But then okay the next the guy in the car that got shot in Minneapolis, oh, Lord. Lord, he, he tells him, I have a concealed carry permit. Goes oh, Philando Castile. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Dead. Well, that's obviously implicit bias. It's it's, it's a trigger of fear yeah. due to race. Yeah, the cop yeah. sees Obvious. it. Like he, yeah, he's, yeah exactly. Wild. He goes, "Hey, yes, I have a concealed weapon permit. I have a gun in the car." Yeah. And the the fact that the cop, because I believe I a hundred percent believe that that cop thought he was in danger. He's scared. I oh, absolutely yeah. believe he's scared. it. Like yeah. he didn't. Yeah, he he didn't walk up to that car, you know, planning yeah. on shooting the guy yeah. in the head. He was genuinely afraid. And that goes to, to prove that systemic racism because his fear yeah, is, it's, it's implicit is born, bias. It's, yeah. it's born out of systemic racism. And it, it, you know, but any, yeah, I mean, any one, uh, us, any one of us in this room could walk out right now, walk down to the movie theater, and unload on everybody in there, and we'd be taken into custody. Right. Whereas if you know, if I was a few shades darker. And I did something like that. I'd be, you know, I'd be shot Maybe on sight. Shot. Like it's right. a, well, I mean, I'm like, not not to say that, you know, you know you, if you kill a room full of people, but it's just it's those types of things that like what what's the kid's no, name? The, I don't even want to say his name. Tamir Rice. No, no, no. Oh, Dylan the, Roof. What, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, one, yeah. Like, yeah, that's not safe. Yeah, Dylan that Roof, who the fucking cops shit. took him to McDonald's took after to McDonald's. he murdered a church for took a little people. Took him to McDonald's. Yeah. This guy says I have a permit. I'm not reaching for it. That's just where my stuff is. And the guy unloads seven. What? How many? How? Yeah, how I, I don't fear. remember. It's, it's a yeah. fear, and it's ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, I look guys, at again back to systemic racism. Tamir Rice, like Tamir Rice, is twelve years old. You know, twelve year old black child playing, playing in a fucking. Oh, you're park. talking Tamir Rice with the guy. I thought yeah, yeah. Talk, I was talking about Minneapolis. The guys in the in the car with his no, 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 Philando. Yeah, no, no, that's Philando Castile. I was okay. just, I was changing yeah. to Tamir Rice because Tamir Rice is another example of that implicit bias. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, oh yeah, you take a black child playing with what you think is a gun. In a park, you right. take a white child playing with what you know what you think is a gun in a park. Yeah. The white child, you walk up to them and you make sure it's not a gun. The black yeah. child, you call the cops. Yeah, I mean not yeah. me, but oh, yeah. that, like that's what the person the did. Do. The yeah. cops don't even like if Tamir Rice is a white child, the cops are never called. 
Yeah. Never at all. Probably the yeah. person goes, what are you doing over there? Yeah. 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 It is real. And I, and when more, I was more white people commit mass shootings than anybody. Than the right. big ones, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, wh- like white people with white white men with guns. I mean, I, I've made this point on social yeah. media all the time, but one, yeah, white men with guns have caused more death in America than anybody than terrorism ever in the history than of anything anybody. ever. But the um, I've been reading about the stop and frisk policy and when that kicked. Oh in. yeah, that's horrifyingly racist. And this is way that. I and way I to drive a wedge happened. into a community too. Yeah, it toxified the relationship. You know, we had the spike in crime in the late eighties. Yeah, and nineties, and so we we adopted uh, broken windows policies, and part of that like emergency tactic was we're gonna bend the constitution and just do stop and frisk. We're gonna we're gonna ignore the constitution for a while. It's a drastic measure, but the crime is out of control. Right. So stop and frisk is part of that, where you just unconstitutionally stop someone without they haven't been. Uh, there's a term for it on another probable case. cause. Yeah, probable cause is a different term. There's a case Terry. Terry versus Ohio. Oh, okay. You've got to terry it. In other words, they're saying you have to have real suspicion. Right. Probable cause to do it. But they, they put that aside. Yeah. Okay. So they do all that. Then crime drops to historic low levels. Historically low mm-hmm. into the 90s. They keep doing it. Yeah. Why did they not stop? And I, I think I know why. It's because when, you, when crime goes down and you have a smaller data set of crime, now it's even easier for a political opponent to paint a mayor and police chief as soft on crime because right. statistically let's say you had 100 right. murders yeah then you have then you have four crime went up four percent if you had 10 murders and then you had four no one's going to say well still 14 is amazingly low they're, your no, political opponent's going to say, gonna say it shot up 40 percent right and so it's like mayors got on the phone with police chiefs so we can't we got to clamp down on this and they kept doing it it's like we took chemo to cure the cancer and the cancer went away and we kept doing the chemo. <laughs> yeah. We literally did for 20 something and we still do it. And then a football player kneels. Jesus Christ. And everybody goes yeah. nuts. And it's I'm like, ridiculous. you you obviously don't understand. God damn it. I'm so, I'm so, there, yeah. I'm so fucking furious at the, the knowing and deliberate ignoring of the motivation behind that protest. Yeah. yeah. Like Tommy Lahren and every, you know, everybody else on Fox muddled. News and everything. Oh, like, yeah. What are they even pro Tommy Lahren literally that, that two woman, weeks ago actually the said worst. If she's she wasn't the god face. If she wasn't no, a pretty face, not a pretty nobody face. would give a shit. Honestly, she's not, she, looks, she looks she, well, she looks like pure evil. She's blonde. She looks pure she looks like she said you know what I'm saying. Well, I would like to sit them down and talk to them about stopping What are they protesting? She she actually asked what are they even protesting? See, like I would two weeks ago. See, I would like to sit them down and talk to them about the stop and frisk tactic because the problem is if you go into cops are shooting and you start to divest those numbers, it gets really muddled really fast. Mm-hmm. And they'll say like, "Well, that's where the crime is. It's in the well, the crime's there because you're always sweeping those neighborhoods. If you not swept to through the wait, crimes wait, there if, because I'm of saying, the systemic racism that but, prevents people from fucking getting jobs and not just a, be, just a second. Yeah, I'm saying if you swept through rich frat houses with cops right. and stuff how much would crime go up in those frat houses yeah. oh so much for pos- yeah to shoot if so they arrested much. them yeah. for what they were doing like they would in those neighborhoods yeah. Right. Yeah. crime you would see white crime go through the roof yeah. and now can you shoot them too you see you see what i'm saying so it's it all gets muddled yeah. it all gets and then with the case of michael brown's like well he should they needed to shoot him and uh, ugh. and, and the all, real cause yeah. is that initial thing it's that that fight between the police and the community that yeah. started 
How long ago? Years ago. I mean, it's it goes all, all the way back to the beginning. I mean, or at least to you know to the Civil War. Well, yeah, 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 yeah several hundred. Bottom, but I mean, bottom, I mean, that's like when you really get down to it. modern history, like, when I look at those stop and frisk and the and the Department of Justice, uh, I looked at the report, the first like six or seven pages. If you read through when they looked at the numbers in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Outrageous, outrageous. They had one guy that in a period of like four years was pulled over and frisked 30 times. That's Philando. Uh, 30 freaking times the yeah, guy got that's, that's Philando Castile. That's the guy who got shot. Oh, no, no. No, I'm talking Baltimore. Oh, 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 sorry. Baltimore, the police. Uh, but, that, but anyway. When they took the yeah. sample, the data sample of how they're doing their policing, and, and they even have a term for it. They call them, uh, uh, what do they call them? Jump out boys? Knocking crews? That's what, the, that's what the, these police company, uh, police departments all over the country do this, not just big cities. They'll just go by certain neighborhoods where poor, they'll just hop out, they'll search everybody at the barbecue. They, they, this stuff is, it's, it's insane. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like my main thing I'm angry about is that and uh, uh, what is that where they take your property? Oh, f civil asset forfeiture. Yeah, that just drives me. That nuts. that's uh, the, uh, blatant yeah. disregard of well, the constitution. And it, uh, yeah, well, and it's blatant disregard of the constitution, and it's and it's it, it, it Stealing. is emblematic of the way in which we do lip service to certain organizations with like the police and the military, mm -hmm. but not at, but the, but our elected officials fuck them over constantly yeah. because if we had properly taxpayer funded police departments. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, Jesus Christ, when I was that's when, money making. When yeah. I was living in New York, starting salary, and this is in two thousand, and I, I moved there in two thousand three. Starting salary for an NYPD officer was less than thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, it's so hard. It's hard that's to hard it's hard to live in too. Boise, Idaho, in two thousand seventeen yeah. on less than thirty thousand dollars a year in New York City in two thousand three. No fucking no way. way. I mean, my yeah. our, our my my rent was fourteen hundred dollars a month. Like yeah. that, no. And it's so it's such a hard job. I mean, it's such yeah, a really diff and, and, the and stress of that, like the fear. It, your we heart need to like we need to scared. invest in 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 proper training, training prob yeah. proper equipment. And I don't mean fucking decommissioned military equipment. That's another <laughs> thing that pisses me the fuck off because they're all they're You're doing is uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Jesus. All right, we're we're uh, we're pretty deep into this thing too. Um, so we're gonna have to. How long have we been doing this? Two hours. You're yeah. gonna have to edit. Yeah, I might have to do a little bit of editing. <laughs> just take all that I'll out. put some. I'll, I'll just cut it cut it into pieces and put some. Uh, you know, some trumpet noises and shit. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get out of here. And uh, and if anybody wants to contact any of us to regarding uh, civil asset forfeiture or <laughs> systemic racism, you take. Uh, I'm at Leo like Neil on Twitter. Vent. What's your Twitter? Uh, I don't. I'm. I can't remember. Uh, find him on Bent on, Washburn. Search for Bent Washburn on yeah, Facebook. B -E -N -G -T and Twitter. Yeah, B E N G T Washburn. B E N G T Washburn. Eric, what's your? It's Papa Cole on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is uh, at Erock the World. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, of course, right. of course. It Sorry, is. I got we got <laughs> a tangent there. No, no, that's fine. I, I honestly, I have to, I have to go to dinner, and you guys have to get ready for a show. So it. it's really time to. I've actually got to pee. I've had to, to pee up. for about four or five minutes. It's All right. Just, uh, <laughs> thank you guys both for being here. Thanks I really thanks appreciate for it. Us here. Listeners, thanks good for wine. listening. That was good wine. It was, yeah. and, uh, oh, that's what this was about. Oh yeah, it was about wine. wine. That's wine. called red wine and arguments. I mean, this is my friend Steve Reynolds. That's that idea. basically what this show devolves into. Red wine and arguments. Uh, all right. This Thanks. fall on Fox. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>
I think about, I think about wine. I think about wine. I think about wine. I think about, I think about wine. Hey, what's you thinking about? I don't know. I think about wine. I think about wine. I think about wine. I think about wine. I think about I think about wine. I think about wine and wine. I think about the wine and more wine. I think about, I think about wine. Wine, 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 and wine, 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 and more wine, wine, and I think about wine.